68 people have died in the attack, including three Britons, a figure the government has warned is likely to rise. BBC's Mike Walridge says it's appeared another rescue attempt is underway. Clearly there were still 10 people held uh, overnight and it would seem that what is happening now is a further effort, a final effort perhaps, to try to secure their release. It's, it's quite clear that the government is keen uh, to bring this to a conclusion just as swiftly as possible. The conditions in there must be, of course, terrible for those who are still uh, mm. trapped uh, in the building. But they've always said that, of course, their primary concern is to try to rescue the hostages alive. Rolf Harris is due in court today charged with nine counts of indecent assault and four counts of making indecent images of a child. The offences are alleged to have occurred between 1980 and 2012. And Angela Merkel has won another four years in power in Germany. Her Conservative grouping won 41.5% of the vote. It means Mrs Merkel will continue as Chancellor. Chris Morris reports from Berlin. Angie, Angie, they chanted at the headquarters of the Christian Democratic Party on a victorious night for Angela Merkel. She nearly won an absolute majority in Parliament, something no one was predicting. It's a massive personal triumph, soured only by the fact that her current coalition partners, the Free Democrats, have been swept out of Parliament. And Mrs Merkel will have to find a new coalition partner somewhere on the centre-left. It seems lessons have still not been learnt after more than a 1,000 garment workers died in Bangladesh when the building they're working collapsed in April. Tonight, the BBC's TV's Panorama programme investigates how our clothes, including those of some of the high street brands, are really made. And in sports, Sunderland have sacked their manager Paolo Di Canio after just five games into the new season. The Black Cats are bottom of the league with just one point. And the weather for beds, hearts and bucks today should be a bright day with some sunny spells this afternoon. There'll be a top temperature of 23 degrees. Celsius, that's 73 degrees Fahrenheit. And don't forget, you can get all your latest new sports and news online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. to listen. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. I've just seen what someone's typed on my screen. I can't read that. Oh dear, did you have a nice weekend? We survived. We, if you're listening, then we survived. Sometimes that's the best you can ask for, isn't it? Isn't it? Sometimes it is. Lots coming up on the show this morning. Keen to get your uh, opinion on some of these stories, including figures have revealed concerns at two local hospitals over the mortality rates of patients with hip fractures. Find out which hospitals they are in a few minutes. You heard Richard there talking about cheap clothing. Well, do you feel guilty about cheap clothing? We all like walking into shops, don't we? And getting cheap trainers and trousers and shirts and things. And later, Justin Dealey will be talking complete and utter Botox. Facebook.com forward slash BBC3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or you can give me a call, 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Kelly Betts next door has just told me her jumper costs £6. Uh, that much? That much? Wow. 
08459 555 is the phone number. Now, figures from the National Hip Fracture Database have revealed concerns at two local hospitals over the mortality rates of patients with hip fractures. Luton and Dunstable Hospital has the worst mortality rate, with 13% of patients dying within 30 days, whilst Watford General was second with 12%. Well, the figures show a wide disparity in care across the country, with some of the best-performing hospitals having figures of just 2%. Uh, I'm joined now by our reporter, Sophie Soleri, who's been looking into this. Sophie, these figures are, uh, well, they're obviously they're quite concerning, aren't they? They are, in fact. Indeed, you want to maybe put my microphone... I do apologise. Yeah. In fact, it's been described as a lethal postcode lottery for hip fracture victims. The death rate at the L&D and Watford General are six times higher than most in the country. The national figures every year over 60,000 elderly people who are admitted to wards in England due to hip fractures. Uh, 5,000 die within a month. And two units that are of constant concern are both Luton and Dunstable and uh, Watford General. Luton and Dunstable, as you say, the death rate 13% within 30 days of admission. Watford, 12%. The National Hip Fracture fracture database report has called it an unacceptable level of care to frail patients do we know why this has happened experts are saying that patients were dying because they were not being operated on soon enough and not being seen by specialists and not having enough nurses on the ward indeed we'll find out a bit more later on when we speak to the experts but meanwhile Catherine murphy of the patients association has been quoted to have said it is unacceptable that this postcode lottery is allowed to happen and further evidence the elderly are getting neglected and ignored. What have the two hospitals, Watford and uh, L&D, said? Well, we've had a statement from West Hearts Hospital NHS Trust. Their medical director, Dr Mike Vanderwatt, said, at, at, As a trust, we treat approximately 450 people a year who have suffered a hip fracture. During 2012-13, to 13, we saw an increase in the mortality rate for these patients and in July, we instigated a number of measures to address this rise. This included ensuring that we adhere to the National Guide Guidelines at all times. In addition, we have recruited a nurse who specialises in caring for patients who have suffered a hip fracture, and we have also set up a specialist committee of doctors and nurses to regulate, review, and review the care provided to these patients and track our mortality rate as we move forward. Initial findings show that our mortality rates for our patients who have suffered a hip fracture have dropped in recent months. However, more analysis is needed. Meanwhile, the divisional director for the surgery at the LND will be on our programme later this morning. Well, Dr Mike Vanderwatt from the West Hearts Hospital NHS Trust. There's a couple of things that, that, that well, that, first of all, he uses the phrase, um, uh, as we move forward. Oh, I hate that kind. Of, as we move forward, as we progress through our journey. Um, and then this is two things that struck, struck me there. Uh, we've uh, instigated a number of measures. This included ensuring we adhere to national guidelines at all times. Well, that would imply they weren't adhering to national guidelines at all times place. in the first mm-hmm. place. And also, um, where is it that they say about... Uh, Something we've recruited a nurse who specialises in caring for patients who suffered a hip fracture. This is in the hip fracture department. We've recruited a nurse who specialises in caring for patients who've suffered a hip fracture. It seems kind of obvious to me. Sophie, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455 555. If you want to have your say on that, you can do. I'll speak to you after this, the Detroit Emeralds.
I don't get and, and I need your help on this because I'm guessing one or two of you will have done this I'm speaking primarily to the gentlemen but maybe some, maybe you ladies can uh, can explain why this is this is happening there's a story and this is always puzzled me there's a story in the, the sun on pages uh, 20 and 21 Meet the men who have Botox with their misses. So I, I'm st- I'm not a hundred percent sure what Botox is. That's when you have an injection, isn't it, into your like your face to get rid of your wrinkles. Some people have it under their armpits because it stops them sweating. Uh, uh, sorry. Uh, so this is an injection into your face to to stop to get rid of the wrinkles and the lines to get rid of the things that make you unique to get rid of the things that indicate that you have lived a life and you have lived it well. If you've had this done, men or women, 08459 455 555. I'm keen to get your stories. I won't judge you much. Guys at the factory joke my forehead doesn't move, then admit they do it too. That's according to Gary, 44, a machine operator. Well, Gary, you're in a double-page spread of the sun today, my friend. They are going to be taking the mick out of you mercilessly. So it's six gentlemen of various ages and various um, bland facial expressions who've all had Botox to... Combat the signs of ageing? Well, it doesn't combat the signs of ageing, does it? All it does is make you expressionless and pale-faced. John, 72, retired. As you get older as a couple, you no longer have so many more intimate moments together. Good. The thought of old people getting it on, no thank you. But you do still want to show your love by looking good for one another. You want to show your love by looking good for one another. Okay. Steve, 53, he's a company director. I've never been one of those men who believes only women should take care of their looks. Are are there any men who only think that women should take care of their looks? Really? Are are there any men like that? Oh my goodness, Steve. I've had my chest waxed, my eyebrows and lashes tinted, and even facials. I've had a facial. I've had a very relaxing. It was too. Very pleasant, very relaxing, very nice. Not for a long time. But then he goes and gets Botox injected. Paul, 51, graphic designer. Paul, uh, often comment on how well Jess and I look. Well, <laughs> not, not judging by your teeth, they don't, mate. Now, no let's, no, let's not get personal. Let's not get personal. But I don't get why men would... I don't get why anybody has Botox, if I'm completely honest, OK? But it's easier for me to identify with men, what with me being one and all. So I'm, I'm going to send Dealey out. I, I wonder if Dealey's ever had Botox. I wonder. I, if, if he hasn't, I bet he will do at some point. He's quite vain. We'll, we'll speak to... Let's send Justin out to, uh, to find out about people getting Botox done. And we'll speak to him maybe before seven if we can get hold of him. But, dear listener, over to you. Have you ever had Botox? Why? 08459 455 555. And would you frown if your husband had it? That's if you could frown, of course, what with you not being able to express anything through eye movements. 
08459 455 555. Botox. Let's talk Botox this morning. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's have a check on the M25 anti-clockwise. Already looking rather heavy uh, between junctions 26 and 25. Homesdale tunnel traffic uh, slow moving heading into the roadworks. Clockwise on camera moving well. No reported problems on the M1 at the moment and the M40 is looking good on the cameras. As for trains through the three counties, no reported delays currently. I'm James Wally, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, James. Coming up to 6.16, it's Monday the 23rd of September. I'm Ian Lee, these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Death rates following a hip fracture at the Luton and Dunstable and Watford General Hospital are six times higher than most other hospitals in the country. It's been described as a lethal postcode lottery for hip fracture victims. The Kenyan military has said it's freed most of the hostages being held by Islamist militants at a shopping centre in Nairobi. At least 68 people are known to have died in the attack. In sport, Paul, Paul, uh, Paolo Di Canio is clearing his desk this morning after being sacked by Sunderland. I think I said sacked. Coming up... Um, you can give us a call, 08459 455 555. I'm keen to hear your Botox stories. Ever had it done? Why would you do that? Does it hurt? BBC Three Counties Radio. Strictly's back. Who will be the prince of the Paso and who will trip up on their tango? It started with a sparkle as the stars were revealed. My favourite is the hairy biker. Mr Chaplin. I think he's going to surprise us. Sophie Ellis-Baxter. Mark Benton. He'll really enjoy it. Then the pro dancers added their glitter. Olive's gorgeous. Pasha. Artem. He's got a really strong presence. James. Cheeky Chappie. <laughs> and now the judges want to see who will dazzle on the dance floor. Let's skip to the good bit. Natalie, I think she'll have that flair. She'll be a strong girl. Big Ben. Sportsmen always go for it. A weekend of Strictly Come Dancing starts Friday night at 9 on BBC One and BBC One HD. Who wants a fantastic Elvis Presley song or a rubbish Elvis Presley song? Let's go to Kelly Betts, who's um, uh, live in the next studio. Kelly Betts, would you like a... Good morning to you. Would you like a fantastic Elvis Presley song or a rubbish Elvis Presley song? What one do you have queued up? Well, I have the rubbish Elvis Presley song, The Girl of My Best Friend. Yeah. I have the fantastic Elvis Presley song, I Just Can't Help Believing. Oh, um, let's go for... Do you have The Wonder of You? No. Oh, I have... I, I, let me... Maybe you've missed that. I have the rubbish Elvis Presley song, The Girl of My Best Friend. Yeah. I have the fantastic Elvis Presley song, I Just Can't Help Believing. Do you have Hound Dog? No. Again, maybe you've missed... There are two options. What's that Jailhouse Rock one? Do you have... No. The two options mm. are as follows thus. Okay. Girl of My Best Friend, or I Just Can't Help Believing. Can I have I Just Can't Help Believing by Elvis Presley? You certainly can. What a fantastic choice. Well done, you. I'm turning your fader down now. There we go. This is good. You don't get to hear this on the radio too often. This is brilliant. Elvis Presley, speak to you after this. Not Elvis, obviously, he's dead. I just can't help believing When she smiles up soft and gentle With a trace of misty morning And a promise of tomorrow I just can't help believing when she's lying close. 
close beside me And my heart beats with the rhythm of her sighs This time the girl is gonna stay This time the girl is gonna stay For more than just a day I just can't help believing When she slips her hand in my hand And it feels so small and helpless That my fingers fold around her like a glove But I just can't help believing When she's whispering her magic And her tears are shining on Sweet beloved This time the girl is gonna stay This time the girl is gonna stay For more than just a day And it feels so small and helpless And my fingers fold around it like a glove I just can't help believing She smiles and whispers magic And her tears are shining honey sweet with This time the girl is gonna stay This time the girl is gonna stay For more than just a day That's a song, isn't it? That's a song! Oh, I just can't help believing Oh, I just can't help believing Oh, I just can't help believing Oh, 
08459. I like, I do like that song. That's, that's good. Um, I would say that's got to be my favourite Elvis song, hasn't it? I think it's got to be my favourite Presley song. 08459. 455. 555. We're talking Botox. We'll be talking about cheap clothes later on. There's a, uh, is it Panorama? Uh, tonight, to an expose into the world of cheap clothes. D- do you feel guilty buying cheap clothes? We'll talk about that a bit later on. Should we have a quick look at the front page of the newspapers? Yes, let's do that. It would be rude not to. It saves you spending money on the papers, you see. If you want to call in and join in with me, you're more than welcome. 08459 455 555. The Independent. Massacre in the Mall. Ho- Mal Mall. Horror and heroism as death toll rises to 68. We'll be getting an update uh, on that in, uh, in the next 15, 20 minutes or so. Incredible story. The Daily Telegraph. Because a place to call home matters. Oh, hang on a second. No, that's an advert. How can they do that? How can newspapers sell their front page? Because they're desperate for cash as the newspaper industry slowly dies. It's an advert for Lloyd's Bank. Well, that's a, that's a tree, isn't it? That's a tree wasted. Thanks, guys. Uh, Daily Telegraph. Um, uh, Britain's killed in Kenyan massacre. Operation to free hostages underway. Terror group claims Londoner among gunmen. PM warms of more victims. Oh, this is just uh, uh, ridiculous. So Bradley's back on the bubbly. Bradley Wiggins, the first mod to win the, win the Tour de France since Ronnie Lane in 1968. No? Anyone? No. OK, it's a joke. It's a joke. Uh, is shaking a bottle of champagne. Uh, Labour admits migrant fall- failings. Ed Miliband's flagship plan to reduce immigration would actually allow more foreign workers to come to Britain, Labour admitted last night. The omission led to Conservative claims that Mr Mil- Miliband's immigration policy was a shambles and followed business warnings that the policy would damage British companies. The Labour leader began the conference with an attempt to shift his party's image as being soft on immigration. The time. Lots of horrible pictures in the newspapers today, to be honest, because of this Kenyan thing. There's a horrible picture. By the way, don't 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 turn to page. Well, I was going to say, don't turn to page five, uh, four, and five of the Sun because you'll see a four-year-old child stood next to a dead man. Also, don't turn to page seven of the Sun because you'll see Miley uh, Cyrus twerking with a dwarf. The twerking is what. So basically, twerking is when you wave your buttocks in someone's face. Is that it? Is that what it is? That's that's kind of the thing. You you shake your booty. Uh, you th- uh, you thrust your hips forwards and backwards in the. F- so, am I twerking now? Is that twerk? I'm riding. I'm riding a tiny pony here. Is the move I'm doing? I'm doing. That's, apparently, I'm twerking in a dad way. Wow. Maybe I'll do a video of me twerking later on, and we can. We'll, we'll film me twerking, and uh, we'll put that. New low for Miley. Singer's stage shocker number two. Twerking with dwarf, then tears. Why shouldn't she twerk with a dwarf? Huh? That's got to be some form of ism, hasn't it? Dwarfism? Disabledism? Twerkism? It's something. Miley Cyrus performs a cheeky follow-up to her notorious... Cheeky because it's bottoms. Notorious twerking dance as she gyrates on stage with a dwarf. I don't see... What's the problem with dancing with a dwarf? The pop singer, 20, who sparked uproar with her raunchy dance at last month's MTV Video Music Awards, also patted her pint-sized pal's bum on stage. She then stunned fans at the end of a four-song set, wow, at a Las Vegas music festival by breaking down in tears as she sang her new hit, Wrecking Ball. See, I don't like um, Miley Cyrus. I like Hannah Montana. I'm not so keen on Miley Cyrus. 
Miley, whose set was introduced by Britney Spears. Ah, mental illness in pop. What's a good name for an album, isn't it? Was performing on a bill that included Justin Timberlake, Paul McCartney, Elton John and Bruno Mars. She told the crowd, there are, there are always... Th- I nearly did the voice, but I don't know how she talks. I'm guessing she has an American accent. I, beyond that, I couldn't tell you. There are always things that I'm doing that are getting me into trouble. It's just me doing what my heart and my soul are telling me. Soul, yeah. Ah, the soul. It's all inspired by my music. Miley, wearing a cannabis, cannabis leaf design earpiece, oh dear, started off in a corset outfit and later went braless in a string vest-style frock with covers on her nipples. She was still wearing it afterwards when she got a hug from Britney, 31. Britney's older than 31, isn't she? Britney's older than me now, surely. She's been around forever. Her fellow star said, I remember that age when I was just transferring into my career and doing more controversial things. Oh, Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus. Uh, let's, do the, uh, let's do the front page of The Times and The, uh, the Guardian. We'll do The Express and uh, The Mail a bit later on. The Express are in trouble. I'll tell you why later. Uh, the Times. Security forces surround mall massacre terrorists. Um, and The Guardian. I mean, some of, the, some of the pictures... A lot of the pictures from this Kenyan thing are horrendous, but some of them are amazing. As you see policemen leading prison, uh, hostages away, and uh, the front page of uh, The Guardian is... Um, is that a security officer or a policeman? Um, basically hiding in a coffee uh, area of the mall. Um, the final assault, Kenyan forces move in on terrorists. I, I suspect there's going to be a big explosion at the end of this. I don't think this is going to end nicely. Who do- Hands up, who doesn't think they've rigged that shopping mall with explosives? Anyone? Um, and Merkel sweeps to third term. Angela Merkel. Is it Angela or Angela? It's Angela, isn't it? it is, it's a hard gur. She has a hard gur. Oh wait, four five nine four double five five double five. Let's get the travel news now with Adam Glynn. Adam Glynn with a hard gut. Travel news for beds, hards, and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much, Ian. Good morning. Things looking nice and clear out there on the main routes through the three counties. No trouble on any of the motorways that I can see. M25 moving well through the roadworks section. So's the M40 up at Junction 7 Tame. And we've got works in Bedford still. The A6 along Greyfriars. This is around the junction with Beckett Street. It's going to be there probably for another month or so, not causing any delays on the speed sensors. Can't really see any other issues. Train departure boards looking very healthy. Adam Jlin, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much indeed. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. with the headlines, I'm Richard Williams. Death rates from hip fractures are six times higher at the worst hospitals, including Watford as well as Luton and Dunstable. That's according to a new report. There have been heavy bursts of gunfire inside the shopping mall in the Kenyan capital Nairobi, where Islamist militants are continuing to hold around 10 hostages. 68 people have died in the attack, including three Britons. And Angela Merkel has won another four years in power in Germany. Her Conservative grouping won 41.5%. 5% of the vote. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Football and Sunderland have sacked their new manager Paolo Di Canio just five matches into the new season. The Black Cats are bottom of the league with just one point. Ian Dennis reports. There are many in football who predicted the controversial appointment of Paolo Di Canio would end in tears. His confrontational style of man management and strict approach to try and change the culture within the dressing room hardly endeared him to the Sunderland players. Yet questions will also be asked of owner Ellis Short and his long-term strategy for the club. After Martin O'Neill's departure in March and now De Canio's sacking, Short is looking for a third manager in the space of six months. What will be interesting is the influence of director of football Roberto De Fanti and De Canio's replacement and fellow Italian Roberto De Matteo is the early favourite. In the Premier League, Manchester City were 4-1 winners at home to rivals Manchester United. More from Mike Ingham. Well, if you think about the last two seasons, City won the title then didn't significantly strengthen, United did and regained it. But having won that title, the boot on the other foot. United didn't significantly strengthen, City did, and how it showed. Simplistic perhaps because there's much more to it than that. Granted, United are not the same without Van Persie, but apart from Rooney, nobody else really turned up to compete yesterday. Not enough heart and soul and some soul-searching for manager David Moyes. Watford will be preparing for the visit of Premier League side Norwich tomorrow night in the Capital One Cup. Chelsea loan signing Josh McKeshran could make his Hornets debut. Watford will be boosted by the 5-1 win against Barnsley on Saturday. Here's boss Gianfranco Zola. We have to be composed, you know. Sometimes things uh, they don't come very well as, well, uh, as we wanted, but... You, you stay, you dig in, you stay focused and, uh, you know, that's, that's the way to make a difference. There were defeats for Milton Keynes Dons and Stevenich in League One, while Wickham drew at home to York in League Two. Luton go into their match at Woking tomorrow night off the back of their 3-2 win over Lincoln on Saturday. The Hatters are waiting on the fitness of striker Paul Benson. And in Formula One, Milton Keynes-based Red Bull Sebastian Vettel won the Singapore Grand Prix. He now leads the championship by 60 points. Fernando Alonso was second with Kimi Raikkonen finishing third. And cycling Sir Bradley Wiggins won cycling tour of Britain. He finished 26 seconds clear of the field. There'll be more at seven. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Richard. Coming up before seven, we'll uh, be speaking to Justin Dealey about whether he has or he hasn't had Botox. I bet he would. I bet he would. 08459 455 555. You want to give us your call on that? On to slightly more serious issues, though. The morning's front pages, I've just said, are dominated by the horrific events in Nairobi at the weekend. Horrible pictures of the the victims covered in blood and children standing by bodies. Terrible. Uh, Terror at the shops is the headline in the eye. Britain's killed in Kenya massacre, says the Telegraph. Uh, And in this uh, recording taken from CCTV uh, Africa, you can hear shoppers panic when militants open fire on Saturday morning. We don't need to hear anymore. I'm not a fan of hearing uh, gunshots on breakfast. It doesn't really uh, sit comfortably. We can get more on this with our reporter, James Alexander. James, things are kind of moving quite quickly now, aren't they? What's the latest? Yeah, intense activity on the ground just in the past hour or so, Ian. An explosion and gunfire have been heard coming from the Westgate shopping centre. Um, Reports a Kenyan army assault is now underway to try to end this standoff. 
Kenyan security forces say they've rescued most of the people caught up in this attack and a large part of the shopping centre has now been secured. But the militants, between 10 and 15 of them, are still holding out inside the supermarket there and a small number of people, perhaps about 10, are still being held as hostages. Uh, Nairobi is, uh, I was reading about this at the weekend, a very cosmopolitan capital city. Lots of nationalities living uh, and working there. And the Foreign Office have confirmed that British victims are amongst the dead, haven't they? Yeah, we know three Britons are among the dead. They've not been named yet, but the Foreign Office warning that that number may rise. In total, at least 68 people have been killed. And it's an agonising wait for families outside. This man is from the UK. He didn't want to give the BBC his name, but he says his wife and daughter were in the shops when the attack began. He says he hasn't heard from them since. The emotion is... is, uh, I'm just going to keep breaking up. Um, All I'm hoping is that, you know, they're they're safe, they're hiding, and um, they're just waiting for time to bear itself to come out. And it's an unimaginably desperate scene as relatives wait for news of loved ones and clearly for them um, agonising, hearing the gunshots and the explosions this morning and and wondering, um, is this a good thing because it means the siege is coming to an end or or, or, or are they fearing fearing the worst for, for their relatives trapped inside? Uh, many of this morning's papers reporting claims that possibly some of the terrorists may have been British, that The Sun and a couple of other papers mentioned this white widow, mm. Samantha Luthwaite. W- what do we know about, about the British involvement? Yeah, lots of speculation that foreign fighters may be among the terrorists. Reports, as you say, suggesting a British woman may be part of this armed gang. We've got no confirmation of this, but Kenyan officials have said at least one of the attackers um, is a woman who appears to have a leadership role. Some witnesses said the militants were asking shoppers if they were Muslim and if they couldn't prove it by naming the Prophet Muhammad's mother, they were shot dead. Wow. I guess one of the reasons, James, this is so shocking is because it's it's such a familiar place. We all go to the shopping centre. We all, we all, you know, spend far too much time in these places. That that makes it particularly terrifying, I think. Yeah, because we can all picture the scene. Um, you know, we all recognise the, the, the shots when you're seeing in the background, you know, the pictures, the names of the shops, the brands. We've all been in a shopping centre on a busy Saturday when it's full of shoppers, full of families. Um, you know, the Westgate Shopping Centre on Saturday, there was a children's cooking contest being held at the time and and clearly fears that children may be among the dead. The Islamist group that's claiming responsibility, Al-Shabaab, is from neighbouring Somalia. They say this is in retaliation for Kenya's military involvement in Somalia and they've deliberately chosen what they would see as a soft target. This morning, uh, it seems, an assault by Kenyan special forces has begun now to try to bring this standoff to an end. James, thank you very much indeed. We'll have more on that if that story develops throughout the morning. 08459 455 555. We come on this loop, John B. My grandfather and me. Around Nassau town, we did run. Drinking all night. Got into a fight. Well, I feel so broken. Stop the John B. Sale. See 
BBC Three Counties Radio. Oh, wait, four five nine four double five five double five is the telephone number. Can someone give us a call? I don't think our phones are working. I think our phones might be broken. Can we just... I know, listen, with the BBC, there's probably a technical department. Well, there is. But if I lodge uh, an incident, we won't get any feedback for six weeks. Six weeks! So, I'm I'm using you, dear listener, as the um, BBC Three Counties technical department. Could you give us a call just to test that the phones are working. I know, I know. Doesn't it sound desperate and pathetic? And in many ways, it is. But if you don't call now, then we, we might as well just let JVS know that there's no point in him turning up. Because his, his show is very phone-heavy. So 08459 455 555. Would you give us a call and just uh, test... Ah, hang on a second, Ruth. Hello. Good morning, Ruth. Good morning. Your phones are working. Oh, Ruth, fantastic. I was getting worried for a second. We were having a few (laughs) technical problems. Oh, yeah. I I wasn't sure if we'd sort of... Ruth, while I've got you on the line, can I ask you a question? Yes. Botox. Oh. Ah. Would you? No. Ever? Never. You sound relatively young. I'm going to say... Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, OK, I'm going to up my guess a little bit. I'm going to say 43. Oh, near enough, yeah. How, oh, so 45. So, Ruth, a little bit, but so, that's fine. OK, let's, let's say 43. You're kind of approaching the age when, as I am as well, when, you know, maybe one or two wrinkles might appear on our forehead. Would you, would you not consider smoothing them away with a little bit of Botox? No. Why? Um, because... They don't last, they cost too much money, you get infections, and then you'll end up like um, Michael Jackson with a plastic face. <laughs> with a plastic face and dead. And, well... Well, possibly. yes, possibly. I don't think you got that through Botox. No. Let me just, uh, just cl- clarify that. What about, I don't know if you have a gentleman friend, but w- what about if you did, and they came home and said, Ruth, do you know what, I'm finding life so, so much hard work with, you know, the stresses and strains of life. I think I'm going to get my face smoothed out. Well, I have got a husband, and right. he actually just was saying earlier, oh, I'm getting lots of wrinkles. Oh. <laughs> I, I, but do, do, you, you, do you like the wrinkles on his face? I don't notice them. Oh, that, that, that's true love, isn't it? It is, it is. If he came home with a completely smooth face and couldn't raise his eyebrows, would you dump him? Oh, no. No, you'd no. still stick with him. Ruth, thank you very much for, for, for that and for uh, testing our phone lines. Ken, g- Ken, you managed to get through this morning. No difficulty at all, old uh, boy. Well, there we go. We've managed. We've sorted out the problem we have with the phone lines. That's wonderful. Ken, while I've got you on, may I ask you a personal question? You may. Uh, Botox. Yeah. Would you? Uh, would you? Certainly not. Good gracious me. <laughs> what? Why? There's a story in the Sun today, and I, I, you know, I have to put my cards on the table. I don't think I would ever have it done either. But there's a story in the Sun. These gentlemen, and they're all. I would say four out of six of them all look relatively normal, you know, but uh, they've had Botox to help them look younger. What do you think about that? I think it's ridiculous. Uh, Here I am, 70 years old, with a lifetime of experience, and every year marked by a wrinkle, a crease, uh, white hair. I'm definitely an ancient with experience. I don't want to hide my experience. And I don't want to pretend that I'm something that I'm not. Supposing, Ken, though, supposing, Ken, that um, you uh, wanted to, I don't know, attract maybe younger ladies, uh, would you consider someone offers you a free makeover, a free bit of um, Grecian 2000 in your hair, dye you up a bit, get rid of those wrinkles, maybe maybe a little facelift to to take off 10, 15 years, you'd never consider it? Botox is poisonous. I'm not going to have people injecting me with poison. 
when you put it like that, it's very, very simple, isn't it? Why would you want anyone injecting your head with poison? Ken, I agree. I'm sure, I, I think the wrinkles and the grey hairs, which I'm getting plenty of, I think they tell your life story, don't they? And they make you more distinguished. Exactly, Ken. Thank you so much for calling in. Well, the phones work. That's good. We managed to plug the right bit into the right socket. Good work, everybody. 08459 555. Ken makes a good point, doesn't he? Botox is po- it's a poison, isn't it? Why would you have a poison injected into your head? I'll say it now. If you're a gentleman and you have Botox or facelifts or anything like that, there is something seriously wrong with you. I think you're some kind of deviant, aren't you? Aren't you? Unless you've had a a horrible, disfiguring accident. There's no reason for any of that stuff. 08459 455555. And ladies, I'd suggest the same as well. The, The wrinkles on the forehead, the little slightly saggy jowls, that's what makes you so beautiful. That tells me you've lived a life. I can kind of work out roughly what age you are and, and what your background is and where you're from. If, if I meet you and you're completely expressionless, then your face doesn't tell me any story at all. Botox and facelifts. No, 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 no. Discuss. 08459 555. It's a quarter to seven. Let's get the travel now with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. And we are starting to slow down a fair bit on the M25. Anti-clockwise, very slow Waltham Abbey to Enfield, into the roadworks, junction 26 to 25. Then once you're through the works, past South Mims, it slows up again from the M1 to Kings Langley, junction 21 to 20. And from Maple Cross to the M40, junction 17 to 16. If you're making the drive into London, the A1 through Edgware already looking busy from Apex Corner toward Mill Hill Circus on the cameras around there. Cameras on the other motorways not showing any disruption. The M1 is moving nicely. No trouble that I can see to or from Aylesbury on any of the cameras there this morning. And indeed, the train departure boards are still showing a good service through the three counties and to and from London. Same picture for the tubes, really. If you do spot something, though, give us a call. Let us know. 08459 555. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. 6.46. It's Monday the 23rd of September. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. A report has found that death rates at some of our local hospitals, including Luton and Dunstable and Watford, following hip fractures, are amongst the worst in the country. Angela Merkel has led her Christian Democrat party to a resounding victory in the German parliamentary election, securing another four years in power. In sport, it's the blue side of Manchester with the bragging rights this morning after City beat United 4-1. Coming up, Justin Dealey will be talking a load of Botox. But before that, let's get the weather with Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, it's rather a misty and murky start for some this morning, but a mild one. The temperature outside uh, ranging somewhere between mid-teens, so around 14, 15 Celsius. The minimum out there at the moment is around 14. So, yes, a very mild start to the day, and that temperature is set to climb as well. Now, this mist and fog, that's going to lift, but the low cloud will be quite stubborn. It will eventually start to thin, and we may get some sunshine later on this afternoon, but this cloud will be around, won't be too far away. Maximum 
maximum temperature 20 Celsius, so another warm day on the cards. Now overnight we'll get some clear spells and that's going to allow some mist and fog to form, perhaps more dense than the fog we're experiencing this morning and more of it. The minimum temperature away from towns and cities around 11 Celsius. Now for tomorrow we may get some bright and sunny spells once that mist and murk clears out of the way and again the temperature will remain similar around 20, maybe 21 Celsius. It's only as we head through the rest of the week we might start to see a little bit of rain arrive overnight Wednesday into Thursday and then the temperatures start to cool off just a little bit as we get towards the end of the week. And that's your forecast. Every weekday morning from nine, the biggest local talking points. There is only one professional force that can control chemical weapons. How can we, as a civilised country, stand by and let more poor innocent children get killed? The JVS Show. Harry's in Bedford. Let's see what Harry wants to say. She knew what the laws were. She knew what she was doing. She got caught tough. I disagree with the penalty. I think that for smuggling drugs, it shouldn't be a death penalty. The JVS Show. Weekdays from nine. BBC Three Counties Radio. If you have Botox, you're sad. I've said it. There you go. I've said it. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. There's no excuse for it. We're beautiful as we age. Well, not everybody. I can think of one or two exceptions. Dealy. Paradise put up a parking lot with a pink hotel, a boutique, and a swinging hot spot. That you don't know what you've got till it's gone. It paid paradise, put up a parking lot. They took all the trees, put them in a tree museum. And they charged the people a dollar and a half just to see them. That you don't know what you've got till it's gone. They paid paradise, put up a parking lot. Hey, farmer, farmer, put away the DDT now. Give me spots on my apples, or leave me the birds and the bees. Please don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone. They paid paradise. Up a parking lot. Late last night, I heard the screen door slam. And a big yellow taxi took away my old man. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? The paid paradise put up a parking lot. But you don't know what you've got till it's gone. They paid paradise, put up a parking lot. They paid paradise, put up a parking lot. They paid paradise, put up a parking lot. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning! 
Here's the thing. Are you sad if you have Botox? I, I, I know women have been doing it for years. It's becoming more fashionable for men to do it. And I do think it's a sad thing to do. Clinics are reporting a 40% rise in the number of male clients. And this is what makes it even sadder, OK? Some of them, uh, they're going on dates. So it'll be like husbands and wives, boyfriends and girlfriends, going as twosomes to have Botox. I can't think of anything worse. What do you fancy doing this weekend? We could go for a romantic weekend in the castle. We could maybe just go out for a meal. Hey, we could, we could get a DVD and, and, and uh, order a takeaway. Or do you fancy going having some Botox done? Together, side by side. Yeah, we could lie next to each other while a man injects poison into our forehead. Sounds fun? Huh? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. We can go to uh, our fashion and anti-aging correspondent Justin Denny. Morning, Justin. <laughs> hey, good morning, boss. That sounds like a real buzz. Uh, these weekends, when can I book in? Are you? You're serious, aren't you? No, no, I'm not actually. I'm joking. I'm joking. W- would you ever have Botox? Um, not at the moment. No. I mean, potentially in ten years' time, I, I may consider it. I mean, you may consider all things in life, but at the moment, I'm quite happy the way I am. Thank you very much indeed. You did a good quote this morning. What was it? Uh, one girl said about your forehead. She said you're a very lucky boy, and I said, "Oh, tell me why." And she said, "Well, you've only got one line on your forehead. I think you've got about six or seven. So uh, yeah, I've only got one. So I'm quite fortunate there." Yeah, but it's about five inches wide, Justin. That's the thing. Yeah. So you wouldn't rule it out because let. let with, with the greatest of respect, mm. you are um, quite vain, aren't you? No. Well, no, well... In your opinion. Oh, hang on a second. Let me just go and get the opinion of some other people who I work with. Kelly Betts, mm. J- Justin Dilly, if you had to pick one word that began with V to describe him, what w- v- word would it be? Vain. You'd go for vain? Yeah. Oh, could have gone for virgin. Sophie, you can move your microphone forward. Don't worry about that. That's fine. Let's, yeah. let's, Sophie, what, what do you think? Who, Justin? Yeah. You know, he's really vain. Yeah, we go, you see. 08459 Just how vain is... Is just indeed. I thought this bullying was going to stop. No, 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 it's going to get worse. Uh, so you've been out speaking to people this morning, Justin. Yeah, because of course uh, most women, well, a lot of women in their thirties and their forties do have Botox. Yeah, hang on a second, hang yeah. on a second. You can, I'm glad you corrected yourself. <laughs> exactly. You can't say most women in their thirties have Botox. Lots of women in their thirties and forties have Botox. So uh, we've been asking the men this morning, would they have Botox? Here's what I've had to say. No, definitely not. Can you tell us why? I'm just not that fine, though, I don't think. Just rather grow old gracefully. Why wouldn't I have it done? Uh, I think it's a bit, a bit very vain, I think. Plus, uh, it's not just a case of having it done once. You've got to have it con- continuously done, haven't you? So it's, I think it only lasts for about three months. So it's a waste of money, to be honest, because eventually you're going to have to come back to the old yeah. face again, aren't you? So seems like you've checked this out, though. You've done your research yeah, on so it. Yes, I, no, I know people who have it done. So, uh, so, so the people that you know that have had it done, do, do they feel more confident in themselves then? I think they do, but I think it's short term. I think the reality is that you, you're going to have to face life uh, very shortly, I think, you know, as you get older, and uh, just got to come to terms, really. I think you've just got to just face it and live with the face you've got, you know. So, yeah. hey, Amadi, how are you today? You well? I'm good, yeah. Fantastic. Good. I've got a question for you. All right. My face is so fresh. Would you have Botox to be just like the rest? No, I wouldn't do that. Why? I wouldn't do that. Why not? Because I'll keep young. It's better to be natural than to use Botox or something like that. What do you think about these men, then, who walk around saying, I've had my Botox injections, I'm feeling good today? What do you think about these I men? Are they, they just work. idiots? I think they're weird. That's it. That's the word for them. Weirdos. Yeah. Hey, sir, ever considered having Botox? What? Botox. Botox? Yeah. What's that? I don't know nothing about it. Ah, it's an injection they put into your face to make you look a bit younger. Nah, I'm all right. Nah, definitely not. One, I can't afford it. So I'm quite happy the way I look. John, you have had Botox. You're the first man I found this morning who's had it done. 
Why did you have it done in the first place? For cosmetic reasons. And how often do you have these injections? Every few months. Do they hurt? Not really, no. Because a lot of men are saying this morning, don't need it, don't want it. Does it make you feel more confident having these injections? No. No, no, no. So you just want it done for, for what, then? For cosmetic reasons. Well, there we go. I think he wanted it done for cosmetic reasons, didn't he? It Justin? was a bizarre one, because he, he walked away, put his hand up, said, right, enough's enough, um, I'm off. Um, w- when we started digging deep there, he wasn't interested. He was saying, I have it done for cosmetic reasons, but he couldn't really back that up, just cosmetic reasons. Justin, stay there. We're joined now by Dennis and Dunstable. Good morning, Dennis. Good morning. Dennis, say hello to Justin. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Dennis. How are you? I think you were better from last week. I believe you were ill last week. Oh, for goodness. Yes, yeah, so I was slightly ill. It's, it's working with we're, Ian, but we're, so I'll we're, get over it. We're not oh, sorry, sorry, okay, sorry. we're not interested in, in Justin's uh, uh, physical health. Right, fair enough. D- yes, Dennis, okay. you're, you're an old um, man with. 88. Yep. Okay. Would you ever have Botox? No, because the only crease is at the back of my neck, and I wouldn't see any result from it anyway. So? I've convinced myself that when I look in the mirror, I either bra- broke the mirror with cracks, or I've got wrinkled eyeballs. I, my face is perfectly smooth now, as far as I'm but concerned. But your your win, though, okay? Yes. She she must look at you and just sigh and think, "How no, did I end up with she, such a no, sad old man? I want a younger, no, no, fresher she's Dennis." She's not like that. She's a lovely girl. She's got wrinkled eyeballs as well, so she can't see my wrinkles. What do you think about these gentlemen who get it done, Dennis? Best of luck to them. Yeah. I hope they don't. Uh, regret it and later on in life when suddenly the face falls down flat would you ever have i don't know any other kind of cosmetic uh, uh, help i don't know perhaps well, I, uh, a facelift I did botox back yeah, and crack no, I, I did think at one time about a facelift but it turned out the doctor said that my belly button would wind up in the middle of my forehead yes that does happen back and crack <laughs> okay you, would you have that? No, no. Okay, uh, Dennis. Thank you very much indeed, uh, d- d- Justin. Yeah. It, it, you. So you wouldn't rule it out at some point in the future, possibly having a little bit of Botox. No. N- never say no to anything. I mean, personally, I don't think men need it as much as women, uh, and that may sound offensive. It's, I- not, it's not meant to be offensive, but I think men, on the whole, they age better than women, and there is a lot of pressure on women to continue to look younger. For men, yeah. that's not the case. Yeah. And you just going back to, to what we were talking about earlier on. You you, you claim you're not. Very no, I'm not vain. How many selfies have you got on your telephone? What, who's told you about these selfies on my telephone? You have. You've shown them to everyone in the office. No, there was a picture of me and the dog. Was that a dog? Yeah, it was a dog, yes. <laughs> yes. Her name was Shirley. No, it was, um, no, just a couple of pictures of me and the dog. That's it. You can check my phone if you want to. Oh, I, I will do. Are you sure? No, thanks. I know what's on there. <laughs> See you later. (laughs) Thanks, bye. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Reports of the entry slip to the M40 London bound being partly blocked at Stoken Church, a broken down lorry apparently. So this is affecting traffic coming from the A40, trying to get onto the London bound M40 there at Junction 5. And certainly we're hearing that there are queues around there as well. M1 starting to slap southbound from Junction 11 at the A505 toward 9 at the A5 near Redbourne. And you've got the M25 delays, Waltham Abbey to Enfield heading into the roadworks. Once you be on the works from the M1 to Kings Langley and Maple cross through to the M40, both looking very busy as well. The A1 through Edgware, if you're driving into London that way this morning, from Apex Corner to Mill Hill Circus, there's heavy traffic on the cameras. Trains and tubes, though, thankfully running without problems. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. 
So if you have Botox, you're sad. It's as simple as that, isn't it? 08459 455 555. And which are the two hospitals that people are concerned about over mortality rates of patients with hip fractures? Find out after the news. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's seven o'clock. I'm Richard Williams. The headline, hostage situation continues in Kenya, worrying death rates at local hospitals and Merkel secures another four years in power. BBC Three Counties Radio. Death rates following a hip fracture at the Luton and Dunstable and Watford General Hospital are six times higher than most other hospitals in the country. It's been described as a lethal postcode locatory for hip fracture victims. Ben Nye reports. Figures from the National Hip Fracture Database show several hospitals are providing unacceptable levels of care to frail patients, with a 13% death rate within 30 days at the Luton and Dunstable Hospital and 12% at Watford General. Some patients are dying as they're not being operated on soon enough or because they're not being seen by specialists while there aren't enough nurses. More than 60,000 elderly people are admitted to wards in England annually because of a hip fracture, of whom around 5,000 die within a month. Heavy gunfire and explosions have been heard at the shopping centre in Nairobi, which has been under siege by Islamist gunmen from Somalia for almost 48 hours. They're still believed to be holding around 10 people hostage. Around 68 people have been killed, including three Britons, a figure the government has warned could rise. The military have said they're making every effort to bring the siege at the Westgate shopping centre to a speedy conclusion. But they've also emphasised that it's a delicate operation as the safe rescue of the hostages is their top priority. The Defence Forces spokesman said last night that the Somali al-Shabaab militants who carried out the attack probably still had around 10 hostages under their control then. It seems clear from the sustained gunfire this morning and now several loud explosions that the battle to end this long standoff is continuing in earnest. Rolf Harris is due in court today, charged with nine counts of indecent assault and four counts of making indecent images of a child. The offences are alleged to have taken place between 1980 and 2012. And Angela Merkel has won another four years in power in Germany. Her Conservative grouping won 41.5% of the vote. It means Mrs Merkel will continue as Chancellor. Chris Morris reports from Berlin. Angie, Angie, they chanted at the headquarters of the Christian Democratic Party on a victorious night for Angela Merkel. She nearly won an absolute majority in Parliament, something no-one was predicting. It's a massive personal triumph, soured only by the fact that her current coalition partners, the Free Democrats, have been swept out of Parliament, and Mrs Merkel will have to find a new coalition partner somewhere on the centre-left. It seems lessons have still not been learned after more than a 1,000 garment workers died in Bangladesh when the building there was worse collapsed in April. Tonight, the BBC TV's Panorama programme investigates how our clothes, including those of some of the big high street brands, are really made. And in sport, Paolo Di Canio is looking for a new job this morning. He was sacked by Sunderland after their 3-0 defeat at West Brom on Saturday. And the weather for beds, hearts and bucks today should be a bright day with some sunny spells this afternoon. It will be a top temperature of 23 degrees Celsius. That's 73 degrees Fahrenheit. And don't forget, you can get all your latest sport and news online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Thank you, Richard. 
Good morning, this is Ian Lee on BBC Three Counties Radio. Can you believe it's the 23rd of September? Well, it was summer a few minutes ago, wasn't it? According to the front pages, it's, it was still having a summer. Not where I was at the weekend, it was flipping cold. Lots coming up between now and 8 o'clock, including... Figures have revealed concerns at two local hospitals over the mortality rates of patients with hip fractures. We'll find out which hospitals they are and why this is happening in a few minutes. A panorama programme tonight looks at exploitation around the world in clothes manufacturing. Well, do you feel guilty about buying cheap clothing? Justin Dealey is out and about talking complete and utter Botox. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. Or, lots of phone calls this morning. Now we've got the phones working. You can give me a call. 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots of uh, your comments on Facebook about Botox. We'll get to those in a little bit and uh, hear your thoughts. I'd love to hear from you this morning, by the way, if you've had Botox. If you can phone up and, and, and tell me why you had it and, and what impact it had on your life. 08459 455 555. Now, figures from the National Hip Fracture Database have revealed concerns at two local hospitals over the mortality rates of patients with hip fractures. Luton and Dunstable Hospital has the worst mortality rate, with 13% of patients dying within 30 days, whilst uh, Watford General was second with 12%. The figures show a wide disparity in care across the country, with some of the best-performing hospitals having figures of just 2%. Well, Jeff Brown is from Hertfordshire Health Watch. Morning, Jeff. Morning, Ian. D- why, why is this happening? Uh, well, at the moment, we're not really sure what the reasons are. There's a proper review going on um, at Watford Hospital um, about looking at those figures and the reasons why that might be the case. So they, they're carrying out a review of the service. They're looking at the particular cases to see why there was, there was a problem. Um, seeing if anything was wrong in terms of the practice or the management of those cases and putting uh, changes in place to make sure that that the performance improves in that area. It's perhaps worth saying that uh, the group of people involved in this case are often frail elderly people um, and what we need to be sure of is that those people are looked after properly in hospital but also if they're discharged that they've got the proper support in the community. So we don't quite know yet why why this these figures are as they are but there's some work going on to find out and hopefully put things right it is a concern isn't it that people in bedfordshire and hertfordshire are more at risk when going to these hospitals than anywhere else in the country well it certainly appears that on those figures um and I, you know we're pleased that things are being put in place uh, to address that um from a, a health watch hertfordshire point of view uh, we're pleased to be involved in the process as a sort of patient champion. As you know, we're we're the sort of health and social care watchdog, and we're there to make sure patient views uh, are taken account of and patient needs are taken account of. And we've been asked to be involved uh, as an independent person looking at the data from these reviews to make sure that 
that the needs of patients are being addressed and at least hopefully we'll be able to make sure people in Hertfordshire get a fair, Hertfordshire and Bedfordshire get a fair share. We, we, we had a statement from uh, Dr Mike van der Watt who is medical director from uh, West Hearts Hospital NHS Trust. I'm a little bit surprised by a few of the things that he highlights uh, in the statement. Jeff, have a listen to a couple of these. Uh, it says uh, we've introduced a number of measures. This included ensuring we adhere to national guidelines at all times. I'm surprised that they have to ensure they're adhering to national guidelines. That, that would imply they weren't before. And some of those include being seen by a specialist doctor in the days after their operation. Does that mean that people weren't being seen by a specialist doctor after the operation? Well, I think you can probably read between the lines that there was a need to do something about those things. Um, I think um, there, are, there is that national guidance in place, and people should be seeing that specialist that Mike has mentioned those things probably suggests that he has some concerns about whether those things were happening. Um, but it's obviously good practice that must happen to ensure people are, are looked after. He also goes on to say, we have recruited a nurse who specialises in caring for patients who've suffered a hip fracture. Well, that just seems common sense to me. Am I being naive? That seems an obvious thing to do, and it seems a, a shame and sad that, that that's only been brought in as a result of these distressing figures. Well, I don't think it's just these distressing figures, because I think there has been quite a, a change in approach uh, within West Hearts Hospital Trust. They've got a new chief executive who's determined to sort things out. They've got new directors, of which Mike, I think, is one. Um, and they are looking not only at those national figures and comparative stuff, but they're actually walking around and seeing what practice looks like and whether it's good enough, and if it isn't good enough, doing something about it. So, you know, these figures show a, a, an uncomfortable picture, but I think they're determined to sort things out as well by going around and finding out what's happening. And perhaps in some cases the practice wasn't as good as it should have been. What would you like to see happen next, Jeff? How do, how do you hope this progresses? Well, I think that there needs to be transparency about what has gone wrong, if anything has gone wrong, and why those figures uh, are so much worse in those places and other parts of the country, and what's been done to address it. Um, they have got this risk uh, review process looking at areas where there have been concerns. We'd like to see that carrying on. Um, they're addressing a lot of the, the practice issues there, but we almost need a cultural change that ensures uh, that people um, are at the centre of their care, they're treated well, and, and everything is in their interest. So I think we, we, we welcome what's been happening so far, but we want to see more of that, and we want to make sure that, as you say, the good practice nationally uh, is happening in our hospitals. Uh, and should people be concerned, Jeff? Um, I think those figures are obviously concerning. I think people need to be asking questions if they're going in for operation to be convinced that everything is okay. I think what, what the positive side of things is that things are being addressed uh, and things are getting better. Um, but it's, uh, it's important that people find out the reality of what, what the position is, really. And one final question, Jeff, which may seem like a, perhaps an obvious one, I don't know. What exactly are these, these people dying of? Um, Do we know? I think there's probably a, a range of different things. I, I, I haven't got the information no. on that, but it may, you know, it may be a mixture of, um, you know, diseases related to to old age. It might be something that relates to to the operation, or it might be something relates to their care after the operation. I really don't know, so okay. perhaps better not comment on that. Jeff, I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very much. It's uh, Jeff Brown from Hertfordshire Health Watch. If you want to have your say on that, oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. 
Text 81333. Start your message with 3CR. Text will be charged at the standard network rate. BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's have a, a, a look at the Facebook page, shall we? A lot of you having your say on Botox. I, d- I think... I'm not a fan of any form of plastic surgery or enhancement of faces or, or b- bits of body or anything. I do think it's something slightly sad um, that um, in getting Botox done. Let's have a look at some of your comments. Juliet King says on Facebook, anyone who has Botox is sad. You can't see them smiling as they can't move their face. Jenny Goldsmith, my mum had Botox in her 70s to correct entropion in one eye. Medical condition where the eyelid turns inward. Oh, just let's just picture that for a second, shall we? It had the effect of removing the wrinkles under that eye. It looked really weird to see one old eye and one young eye. Oh, you think they would have said, oh, while we're doing you, love, should we, should we inject under the other eye so you look a little bit balanced? Simon says, unless you have a good reason, like Jenny's mum, accept what you've been given. I, I think that is. When did we kind of start saying, do you know what, I'm not happy with, with my lot, my uh, physical lot, I'm going to change it. The 80s, the 70s possibly? I think the first uh, breast enhancement, if I've got this correct, 1967, a woman called Carol Doda, have I got that right? I think I have. Don't ask me how I know. It's a long story. 08459 If you have the Botox, there's something a little bit sad and a little bit lacking in your life. Do give us a call on that. I'm keen to uh, get your thoughts. Also, later on, just after half past uh, seven, we'll be talking about ch- uh, cheap clothing and uh, on Panorama tonight investigates how our clothes, including some of the big high street brands, are made. It's no great shock, is it, that the majority of them are made by uh, poor, in inverted commas, underpaid workers in places like Vietnam and India and Pakistan and places like that. Well, should we feel guilty... If we buy cheap clothing, exploitation, does it make you feel guilty? Permission to speak freely. I like cheap clothes. I like buying cheap clothes. Does that make me a bad person? I like the fact I can buy uh, a a pair of jeans for 30 quid. I can get a pair of, well, can you get them for 30 quid? I don't know, I've bought a pair of jeans for ages. You get a pair of trainers for 20 quid. I I like the fact you can do that. Am I bad for, for thinking that? Because we are exploited. Remember that, that horrible incident in India? Was it this year? Earlier this year where that building, that factory collapsed and dozens of people were killed because their, their working conditions weren't safe? Should we feel bad? Do you feel guilty if we buy cheap clothing? I, I, I don't quite know how to feel on this one. I think I'm, I'm erring on the side of feeling a little bit complacent and nonchalant about it. 08459 455 555. Do you feel guilty for buying the, the cheap, affordable clothing? 08459 455 555. You can also, if you want, send me an email ian.lee at bbc.co.uk i-a-i-n dot l-double-e at bbc.co.uk it's also the email to get in touch with me if you want to uh, have a chat if you want to send me a story that you think we should be covering on the show a big story that, that covers the whole county or country or a small story that just affects you ian.lee at bbc.co.uk it's a quarter past seven let's get the travel news now with Adam Glynn 
travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. We've had an update on the M40. We're hearing reports of queues and that the entry slip road at Stoken Church is partly blocked by a broken down lorry. So this is as you leave the A40 at Stoken Church, get onto the London bound side of the M40 and apparently that broken down lorry has also left a bit of fuel behind it, so a bit of a fuel spill there thanks to Martin who called us. Looking at the speed sensors, the main carriageway for the M40 London bound is looking a little bit busy past Stoken Church as well so that could be related to this or it may just be general build up of traffic around there. Any updates, of course, very much appreciated. A1 southbound, slow moving from the St Neots Junction to the Black Cat roundabout. The A1M then looks busy around Stevenage at Junction 7, and the A1 into London slow from Apex Corner to Mill Hill Circus. The M1, heaviest at the moment, from Junction 11 to Junction 9. M25 anti-clockwise, slow from back at the M11 in toward Enfield and the roadworks. Busy from the M1 to Kings Langley and Chorleywood through to the M40. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. More from you in 15 minutes. Right, 7.16, it's Monday the 23rd of September. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Death rates following a hip fracture at the Luton and Dunstable and Watford General Hospital are six times higher than most other hospitals in the country. Heavy gunfire and explosions have been heard at the shopping centre in Nairobi, which has been under siege by Islamist gunmen from Somalia for almost 48 hours. In sport, Paolo Di Canio will be collecting his P45 this morning. He was sacked by Sunderland yesterday. Coming up, foreign students are being deterred from courses at British universities because of public paranoia and xenophobia. 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Roberto Peroni on BBC Three Counties Radio. If you're at home, sit back, because this is going to be very, very interesting. You've got the selfie, the legsy, the bumsy. (laughs) You're going to start that trek. Roberto Peroni. We seem to be heading um, headlong into war again. We're very keen to stop this from happening. We don't know where this might lead. The lie that took us into the Iraq war could become a shocking truth in this one. Roberto Peroni. Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. If you want to give us a call, then please do 08459 455 555 is the telephone number. You can also go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Now, foreign students are being deterred from courses at British universities because of public paranoia over immigration. That's according to the University of Hertfordshire's Vice-Chancellor. During a conference, which was attended by Vince Cable, Professor Quentin McKellar said, We do have an issue not just within universities, but in the whole of the United Kingdom in terms of having essentially quite a xenophobic population. Well, uh, the Professor joins me now. Good morning, Quentin. Uh, Do you stand by these comments? Well, I think there's definitely a concern with the electorate uh, who don't want to see indiscriminate migration into the United Kingdom. Uh, I mean, I think we want, obviously, to have sensible controls on migration, but we still want to be able to attract talented people into the country. And, of course, in universities, we do that to a very large extent. Why do you think this, this xenophobia is present at the moment? Well... Um, I, I think actually, you know, we, if you actually look at the way British people integrate with um, uh, people coming into the country, I think we're actually a very tolerant, very multicultural society. But it does appear that we are 
um, concerned about indiscriminate migration, and I guess there's good reasons for that. But of course, within universities, the people that we attract, the overseas students, they come to the UK, they get their education here, and, and by and large, the very vast majority of them then return to their country of origin. So I think, in a sense, it would be sensible to take them out of the migration numbers um, and, and, and allow universities to attract good quality students from whatever. You say we're quite tolerant, and I, I like to think that we are quite tolerant for the most part, but you did, you did use the phrase that, that we are a, a xenophobic population. Well, I mean, I, I genuinely think that we are an extre extremely tolerant society in this country, but we certainly do have concerns about um, indiscriminate migration. Well, how, how, how does the tolerance uh, tie in with, with being a xenophobic population? They seem contradictory to me. Well, I can only speak for the uh, overseas people that we bring into the university. And certainly within the University of Hertfordshire, and indeed as far as I can tell within the, the, the county of Hertfordshire, um, the, there's wonderful integration and the overseas students that we bring in have a, a, a great um, time when they're in the United Kingdom and they add a, f a fabulous cultural mix which I think is beneficial not only to them, but also to the home-based students that we have. But then why would you use the phrase when you were talking to Vince Cable that the United Kingdom is quite a xenophobic population? Only because I think that the, uh, the, the, the various political parties have a great deal of difficulty in dealing with migration as a topic, simply because the electorate um, will, will essentially not, not uh, support uh, policies which allow what I would consider to be sensible controls on migration, which still allow talented people to come into the country. And I think, you know, in terms of the student population, um, taking students out of the migrant numbers would be a huge beneficial for a uh, hu hugely beneficial for the United Kingdom, because those students, as well as not, you know, as well as bringing the, the various cultural benefits to the United Kingdom, they also bring extraordinary economic benefit when I can tell you for, for the University of Hertfordshire, the, the overseas students that come to um, Hertfordshire spend about £86 million in the county every year. So it's a fantastic economic boost for, uh, for Hertfordshire. The university also gets higher fees, doesn't it, from, from foreign students? So that, that, that might be another reason why you're so keen to have them. Well, we get... Um, we get fees from overseas students, but if you look at the, uh, certainly for our university, and this is not universal, but if you, if you consider the actual tuition fees that our home-based students uh, pay at the moment, and you consider the uh, subsidy which the government gives to universities, our overseas students essentially pay the same. So we don't charge them more. Um, or certainly not substantially more than we would charge our home-based students. So you don't make more from foreign students? We don't make more than we do from our home-based students, but, I mean, clearly they nevertheless, in terms of the tuition fees uh, that they pay, they are a very valuable um, addition to the, uh, to the funding for the university. There's no doubt about that. Do you regret saying that the United Kingdom is, uh, is a xenophobic population? Well, I, 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 I regret the fact that in terms of um, uh, uh, our migration and immigration policies that politicians are unable for various reasons because they have to respond to the electorate. I regret that that reflects on the way they 
um, they treat our student population. But the specific quote that, that, the Uni- that you said to, to Vince Cable, the United Kingdom, in terms of having essentially quite a xenophobic population, do you regret that or do you stand by that? Well, I, I, I mean, I've already said to you that I think that the, um, the, the politicians that we have have a difficulty in creating what I would consider to be appropriate policies for overseas students because the electorate um, have a concern about indiscriminate migration. And my view is that actually it would be helpful if we had more sensible controls which allowed talented people to come into the country. And I mean, I mean the, the, the students that we get, the vast, very vast majority of them will all go back to their country of origin after they've done their degrees. And indeed, it used to be that they had an opportunity to do what was called a, a two-year post-study work visa and that was essentially automatic. And even when they had that opportunity and when they stayed and did uh, work in the UK, the vast majority still returned to their country of origin at the end of that period. So, Quinton, just to, just to, 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 to finish off, you, you're saying you do stand by the term uh, that the, the United Kingdom is a xenophobic population? Well, I have a concern that we um, uh, are... As a population, I have a concern... Xenophobic. <laughs> no, I have a concern that we're... Um, you, seem, you seem reluctant to use that word again. Well, I, I feel that the, um, the uh, journalists who were at the meeting have pounced on that word, and they consider that word to be inflammatory. Well, it's a, it is a powerful word, isn't it? it, 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 it the intention aside, it, it is a powerful word, and you, you did say it, and I'm just trying to... So do you regret saying it? I... Um, stand by my concerns about the um, the electorate being xenophobic, being particularly <laughs> concerned about indiscriminate migration. I don't think um, that we you, you you could twist the word to um, uh, to consider what what the current um, behaviours of people are to our overseas. Um, uh, migrants and in, indeed I think that we're actually extremely tolerant with regard to overseas migrants in this country uh, and I think that's a good thing incidentally I think it's fantastic yes. that we have a multicultural society so I'm going to ask one more time <laughs> I'll give you the same no, answer no, no, because I, I, I don't understand I don't understand the answer <laughs> professor it's too, uh, are, are, you, are you saying yes we are xenophobic uh, uh, population or no we're not well I think we're I think we are concerned about indiscriminate so migration, we're xenophobic that's for sure Xenophobia well, is different from racism, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm well, well aware of that, I'm, I'm sure most of my being, listeners that's are. That's why I'm being very careful no, exactly. about my answer. Absolutely. But, but no, exactly, and I think most of my listeners are intelligent enough to draw the distinction between xenophobia and racism. I'm not, for any, in any way, <laughs> I hope I'm not implying that... that, that, that <laughs> well, I hope you're not, because no. that's not what I'm suggesting. I, I'm, 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 I'm suggesting trying not to. Can, yeah, I'm, I'm, all I'm saying is that there's a concern okay. about indiscriminate migration. Uh, Professor, it's nice to talk to you. Thank you very much for, uh, for bearing with me. Uh, that's uh, um, Professor Quinton. McKellar uh, from the University of Hertfordshire, he's the Vice Chancellor. We got, I think we got there in the end, and there is a distinction between xenophobia and racism, and I think that's uh, why he was he was treading so carefully around that because I, he, he would not want to be labelled a racist. And I'm, I'm, I, I certainly wasn't attempting to label him that, and I hope it didn't come across as that. It, it, two completely different things. Um, so thank you for that, Professor. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. I enjoyed that. That was that was uh, that's woken me up. Andrew's in Hatfield. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning. What, what, do, what do you want to say about universities? Well, you drew you drew them out really well, and you took the wind out of my sails because I work in um, 
Hatfield, I'm a taxi driver, and of course we we welcome the university for so far as commercial trade is concerned. Yeah. Um, but you did draw him out, and the point is that they have to have these international students in big numbers because he's wrong to say that they, and he's not being quite truthful, they do pay more in fees, and they also require accommodation, usually, which they provide for, so they become landlords as well. They also even have their own bus company to ship them around. But these universities have become businesses, not uh, educational establishments. And interesting that the person, the spokesman for them, is Scottish, where it's free. That um, that sits uncomfortably with you, does it, Andrew? It certainly does, that we're paying for free education. You see, I'm of the opinion that, I, and I know this is controversial, but I think that all children should be educated to the best of their ability, free of charge, because if you have a child that can progress through the system and become a high taxpayer that gives the money back to the country, and you should not limit a child's um, educational standards because of income, Andrew, thank you very much. I don't think that's particularly controversial, is it? That, that we should educate our children to the best of their ability? I think that's a wonderful thought. It doesn't happen, of course. The, the, all the politicians will tell you it happens. It doesn't happen. Of course it doesn't happen, but it's a nice idea. Andrew, thank you very much indeed. 08459 455555. I'm Ian Lee. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Looking at the M40, London bound. It's one lane closed on the main carriageway. We spotted it on the cameras. We originally had reports that it was on the entry slip as you join the M40 from Junction 5. But of course, it's just after Junction 5 and there's congestion on the main carriageway back to Junction 6 at Watlington. But there's also some queues on the entry slip road. So it's likely that's what people have been getting caught up in. They're doing the recovery work now. So one lane closed off just after Stoke and Church. Broken down lorry, which has left a little bit of a fuel spill behind it. On the M25, stop-start traffic through the roadwork section this morning past Enfield toward Potter's Bar very busy then as you continue around the motorway past the M1 toward the M40 junction 21 to 16 the A1 it's slow from St Neots to the Black Cat roundabout busy again on the A1M at Stevenage and slow into London as you make your way toward Mill Hill Circus things looking good on most of the other main routes the M1 possibly still a little slow from junction 11 toward junction 9 the A505 down to the A5 and through Dunstable we're doing pretty well the A5 not looking too bad Adam Glynn BBC Three Counties Radio Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning, it's 7.30, I'm Richard Williams. The headlines, death rates following a hip fracture at the Luton and Dunstable and Watford General Hospital are six times higher than most other hospitals in the country. It's been described as a lethal postcode lottery for hip fracture victims. Heavy gunfire and explosions have been heard at the shopping centre in Nairobi, which has been under siege by Islamist gunmen from Somalia for almost 48 hours. 68 people are known to have died, including three Britons. And Rolf Harris is due in court today, charged with nine counts of indecent assault and four counts of making indecent images of a child. The offences are alleged to have occurred between 1980 and 2012. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Football first and Sunderland have sacked their manager Paolo Di Canio just five matches into the new season. The Black Cats are bottom of the league with just one point. Ian Dennis reports. There are many in football who predicted the controversial appointment of Paolo Di Canio would end in tears. His confrontational style of man management and strict approach to try and change the culture within the dressing room hardly endeared him to the Sunderland players. Yet questions will also be asked of owner Ellis Short and his long-term strategy for the club. After Martin O'Neill's departure in March and now De Canio's sacking, Short is looking for a third manager in the space of six months. What will be interesting is the influence of director of football Roberto De Fanti and De Canio's replacement and fellow Italian Roberto De Matteo is the early favourite. In the Premier League, Manchester City were 4-1 winners at home to rivals Manchester United. There's more from Mike Ingham. Well, if you think about the last two seasons, City won the title, then didn't significantly strengthen. United did and regained it. But having won that title, the boot on the other foot. United didn't significantly strengthen. City did and how it showed. Simplistic, perhaps, because there's much more to it than that. Granted, United are not the same without Van Persie, but apart from Rooney, nobody else really turned up to compete yesterday. Not enough heart and soul and some soul-searching for manager David Moyes. Watford will be preparing for the visit of Premier League side Norwich tomorrow night in the Capital One Cup. Chelsea loan signing Josh McKestron could make his Hornets debut. Watford will be boosted by the 5-1 win against Barnsley on Saturday. Here's boss Gianfranco Zola. No, we have to be composed, you know. Sometimes things uh, they don't come very well as, uh, well, uh, as we wanted, but... You, you stay, you dig in, you stay focused and uh, you know, that's, that's the way to make a difference. There were defeats for MK Dons and Stevenich in League One while Wickham drew at home to York in League Two. Luton go into their match at Woking tomorrow night off the back of their 3-2 win over Lincoln on Saturday. The Hatters are waiting on the fitness of striker Paul Benson. And in Formula One, Milton Keynes-based Red Bull Sebastian Vettel won the Singapore Grand Prix. He now leads the championship by 60 points. Fernando Alonso was second with Kimi Raikkonen finishing third. And Sir Bradley Wiggins won cycling's Tour of Britain. He finished 26 seconds clear of the field. And golf Sweden's Henrik Stenson. Well, he's $11.4 million richer this morning following his win in the Tour Championship. The win also cured him the FedEx Cup. That's nice work if you can get it. There's more at eight. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots coming up between now and eight o'clock, including more of your calls on Botox. Can we find somebody... Ideally a gentleman, but I'll speak to a lady if that's all we can get. Can we find somebody who has had Botox? There must be somebody listening to this who is, well, I was going to say is raising a smile. He's trying to raise a smile because they've had Botox. 08459 455 555. Now, a BBC investigation has found factory workers in Bangladesh are being forced to work 19-hour shifts in dangerous conditions to make clothes for Western High Streets. Panorama discovered some factories hide the long hours from retailers by keeping two sets of books. Secret filming also captured a security guard locking workers inside a factory. Well, the investigation comes five months after 1,100 people died at the Rana Plaza disaster. Richard Bilton has been looking into this and joins me now. Richard, good morning. How widespread is this abuse? 
Well, four million people work in Bangladesh's garment industry and it's thought up to 30% work in dangerous conditions. As you say, Rana Plaza is the incident most people know about, but danger's still remarkably common. There have been at least 50 fires in factories in the last 10 months, so we might like the cheap clothes, but producing them can be dangerous for the workers. This is Saida Gulruk, who campaigns for workers' rights. They're risking their lives so some people on the other side of the world, the other side of the ocean, could wear nice clothes. You have to do what you have to do. I mean, figure out a creative way to find cheap clothing which is not killing people. What did you investigate, Richard? So we wanted to see what was happening for ourselves, so we spent weeks in Dhaka talking to workers. Now, we quickly spotted that some factory managers were keeping two timesheets, one that showed Western retailers that hours were within regulations and all fine, but another that showed the real hours. So the timesheets would say 10-hour days, but I saw some working days that started at 7am in the morning and continued until 2.30 the following day. That's 19 and a half hours. And then I went undercover and pretended to be a Western uh, uh, buyer from a, from a company, and the factories where I'd seen those long hours, they hid the truth and said they would never do those long hours. So they effectively told, work, uh, told the buyers what they wanted to hear. Assuming you've, you've approached the companies with your evidence, what, what do they say? Well, factories in Bangladesh, I mean, they produce clothes for pretty much all the high street names. It's not just budget fashion, it's, it's high-end items as well. And we saw many well-known brands being manufactured in factories where people worked far longer than they're allowed by the Western codes of conduct. For example, on that 19-hour shift I told you about, they were making clothes for the supermarket chain Lidl. Uh, and they told us that what we'd found was concerning and it showed how important it was to improve conditions in Bangladesh. Peter McAllister works for the Ethical Trading Initiative, which is part funded by the industry. Working hours in Bangladesh is a real problem. Now again, there are places where this is being tackled and good practice, but we know that it's not only a widespread problem, it's a problem that auditors are struggling to pick up. Richard Bilton, thank you very much for that. You can see that investigation on Panorama at 8.30 tonight on BBC One. I get, the question is, do you feel guilty? You heard little mention there and other high street brands. Do you feel guilty wearing your uh, affordable clothes when you know that people could potentially be working 19 hour, hour days, being locked in by security staff, are, are, are being forced to work harder and longer than they should do for very little money. Do you feel guilty? It's hard, isn't it? I, I'm, I'm still finding it hard because I, I'm struggling. Listen, I, I spent three months in Pakistan. I've seen some of... Um, not the clothing factories, but I've seen some pretty poor uh, working conditions. But it's hard to imagine that my nice shirt I'm wearing uh, and my nice jeans and my comfortable shoes are, are, are built, made, manufactured in those conditions. It's a tough one. Or is it? I don't know. 08459 455 555. Do you feel guilty um, knowing that potentially significant portion of your clothes are made by people in exploitative situations call 08459 455 555 bbc three counties radio are you sad if you have botox i, I kind of think you are women do it women have been doing it for a long time more and more men are doing it. Clinics are reporting a 40% rise in the number of male clients. And here's the rub. Lots of them are having it alongside their wives and girlfriends as twosomes. So forget your romantic night out at Ark's Pizza. 
or the romantic weekend in a, a cottage in Wales, they're going to have their foreheads smoothed with an injection. Well, Ken called me earlier on. He told me what he thought of Botox. I think it's ridiculous. Uh, here I am, 70 years old, with a lifetime of experience, and every year marked by a wrinkle, a crease, uh, white hair. I am definitely an ancient with experience. I don't want to hide my experience, and I don't want to pretend that I'm something that I'm not. Well, Nilesh Yitra is a cosmetic surgeon at the Spire Hospital in Harpenton. Morning, Nilesh. Are, are you uh, noticing more and more men coming in for Botox and other things? Yeah, I mean, certainly over the last couple of years, there has been an increase in the amount of men looking for such treatments. Um, Why partly, do you think that is? Well, partly due to more media interest, more social media, and as you said, uh, wives and girlfriends doing the same and then them, them coming along and thinking oh maybe i can benefit a little bit from this and do, do, do couples come in together for for a double treatment not often but there has been more and more in the last year or so um thinking that once they've their partner's had something successful then they think oh maybe i can have something what what exactly is botox Neelish, and what does it do so it's uh uh, neurotoxin that eventually paralyzes the muscles and when the muscles contract they form creases so it's a temporary treatment lasting approximately six months and if i was to was to come in and and and, and want to get rid of my wrinkles in my forehead how much would that cost depending on um the number of areas to be um there's, a, there's a few on. there's quite a few. there's a few so usually between 250 and 350 and how long does that last for six months and, and do people, when they come out and they they look at themselves and they go, are they happy with the results? Is there ever anybody that goes, oh, I can't frown anymore, or I can't, I can't raise my eyebrows? No, I think as long as you've counselled them appropriately in the first instance, um, they are happy, and you've talked about various things like deep creases not being sorted out. But I do, a lot of people do come and say, I don't want that frozen look. Mm. And it's important to give them natural amounts of, of the substance. Is there something a little bit sad about it, uh, Nilesh? By having things like this done, what am I trying to say? We're losing part of our personality. Our faces tell so much about us in terms of, of how old we are, where we've been, what we've experienced, that by r- literally ironing out those wrinkles, we're losing some of that story, aren't we? We are to some extent, but I think it's that quest to, to look younger, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Um, w- would you have it done? Um, maybe in the future. <laughs> so, but, but, but oh, you're a little bit hesitant. <laughs> Not you, yet. Are you quite happy? It, maybe. Are you quite uh, happy, kind of growing old gracefully? To some degree. Some degree, yeah. I've got to the age of wrinkles yet. Listen, it's going to happen, mate. I tell you that now. It happens to the best of us. Thank you very much. Neela Shujitra, a cosmetic surgeon at the Spire Hospital in Harpenden. Would you have it done? It, It just strikes me as a very, very odd, nay, sad thing to do. 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. We'd love to talk to you if you've had it done please. Would love to talk to you if you've had it done. Now, earlier on in the uh, show, we were talking to Professor Quintin McKellar, who is the Vice-Chancellor of the University of Hertfordshire. In a, an interview with, uh, or a conference that was attended by Vince Cable, he says, we do have an issue, not just within universities, but in the whole of the United Kingdom, in terms of having essentially quite a xenophobic population. And for those of you who are struggling, there is a difference between xenophobia and racism. 
Uh, xenophobia, the, the, the dictionary definition, or a dictionary definition, is a person unduly... Uh, xenophobia is a person unduly fearful or contemptuous of that which is foreign, especially of strangers or foreign peoples. Uh, Cathy is in Hatfield. Morning, Cathy. Good morning. Cathy, what would you like to say about this? Uh, I'm a primary teacher. Um, I've worked in Hatfield for seven years, and something that generally isn't considered by um, by people is the impact on primary education and often people come to the university for a year or two often to study postgraduate courses and as, as the professor said they then go back to their own countries now some of the ch- these people have uh, young children that come to our education system without speaking a word of English and teachers are expected to educate them and bring them up to the same level uh, as the uh, the expected level of education for that particular age group. And what happens is schools have to spend money from their budgets to employ additional staff, specialised staff, to support these children. And I think often that impacts on the children, the English-speaking children who are struggling because that money is not then there in the school budget for them. So what would you suggest is, is done? Are you saying that the, the, the children of these foreign university students shouldn't be taught in our primary schools? No, that perhaps there should be um, some contribution from our local universities to give some of the extra funding they get for the, the foreign students, that some of that should be filtered through to the primary schools to help support their children to be educated. And how many of these kids do you think you, you, you get, on average? Um, well, it's hard to say precisely, but sometimes a third of the children in the class um, can have English as a second language. No, is that... Is that Not are they... necessarily um, are all of those children, right. some are Eastern European, um, but those families are intending to stay in the country. Uh, so what I'm trying to do is differentiate the children who come uh, temporarily, and really it's almost a bit like a babysitting service, right. because if they want to go back to their own country for a month at a time, they will do so, take the children out, and then they come back again um, and have regressed with their English language. And again, that support has to be implemented. And do you try talking to these parents and saying, come on, this isn't fair, pull, pull your socks up? No. You don't no. at all? No, I, I think it's, uh, it's a bigger picture than that, than trying to speak to one parent. You know, I think it's the system. If the universities are getting extra funds for these people, then maybe some of that funding should support um their children in primary education kathy thank you very much indeed kathy in hatfield primary school teacher um well there you go oh eight four five nine four double five five double five uh it's bbc three counties radio let's get the travel news now with adam travel news for beds cards and bugs bbc three counties radio 
There are still delays on the M40, London bound, one lane's closed. While recovery work continues, a lorry broke down and left a bit of a fuel spill just past Junction 5 at Stoke and Church. The congestion now is back to Junction 7 at Tame, where they're doing those roadworks, of course. So it's very, very busy through there this morning. Southbound M1, slow from Junction 11 at the A505 toward 9 at the A5 past Redbourne. A1 southbound is busy from St Neots to the Black Cat roundabout. Then a clear run past Biggleswade and Sandy, but it slows again. Stevenage on the A1M and then into London it slows up on the A1 around Boreham Wood, Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. Busy in Chesant, the A10 southbound, slow moving from the Great Cambridge Road to Winston Churchill Way on the way down to the M25. Anti-clockwise delays into and through the roadwork section, junction 25 to 23 at South Mims and the A1M and further round there are delays and slow moving traffic from the M1 to the M40, junction 21 to 16. Trains and tubes though, running well. Adam Glidd, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you Adam. 7.47, it's Monday the 23rd of September. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Hertfordshire Health Watch says people should be concerned about higher than average death rates of patients with hip fractures at hospitals in the three counties. Heavy gunfire and explosions have been heard at the shopping centre in Nairobi, which has been under siege by Islamist gunmen from Somalia for almost 48 hours. In sport... Golf, Henrik Stenschen's bank manager is a happy man this morning after he picked up $11.4 million. $11.4 million? Really? For golf? Flip it, heck. Coming up, older drivers. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Before that, let's get the weather. Here's Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. Good morning. Well, it's another misty and murky start to the new working week. A rather grey start, like I say, some mist and fog patches around as well. Now, it's going to be quite stubborn to get rid of, I'm afraid. It's staying predominantly grey for much of the day. We may get some brightness and maybe one or two sunnier spells later on this afternoon. But the one good thing about today is it's warm. We're looking at a maximum temperature later on of around 20 Celsius, so similar to that of yesterday. Overnight, some clear spells, a light breeze, which means we could see some mist and fog forming again. And tomorrow night or rather tonight uh, it will be rather thicker than it has been for the last 12 hours or so so a murky start to Tuesday morning minimum temperature down to 11 Celsius so like I said misty murky first thing for Tuesday but again perhaps some brightness and sunny spells as we head through the afternoon and the temperature staying similar still remaining warm through Tuesday with a maximum of around 20-21 Celsius and that's your forecast On Inside Out East, we investigate the homes that have caught fire ten times in ten years. The truth's got to come out. If they're not safe, you can't live in them. And after a serious head injury, James shares his inspiring story. A strange thing happens when you have a bad head injury called post-traumatic amnesia. It means that you forget things. I've forgotten about three weeks of my life from the day of the accident, and it's unlikely I'll ever remember that. Revealing the stories that matter closer to home. That's Inside Out East with me, David Whiteley, tonight. 7.30 on BBC One. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio, 08459 455 555. Every now and then, a story pops up about older drivers. There's one today. There's one today. Should we have a look? It's uh, page 13 of the Daily Mail. It's underneath, well, it's underneath a picture of uh, Miley Cyrus twerking. So let's just fold that over because it's distracting. Can you twerk, Justin? Can I what? 
Can you twerk? What does that mean? You're so old. You're not well, with. What does twerk mean? Twerking is um, if I were to twerk you. Yeah. Um, if I were to twerk you off, I would be standing in front of you, kind of um, gyrating my buttocks. Right. And I'd be going like this. <laughs> I'd be basically just sh- shaking my booty in front of you. It sounds ridiculous. No, please but do not twerk off in front of me ever. I'll, twer- I'll twerk with you later on. Miley oh, Cyrus is, no, is big no, on the twerking. On. No, she might have a slightly better backside than I've got. Quite possibly, but please don't twerk in front of me. Okay, one. This is the the, the, the mail. Uh, one hundred ninety-one drivers, age one hundred or older, on the road. Oh my word! This is terrifying. Record figures, of course. The number of people aged over seventy who hold driving licenses exceeded four million well we are getting older as a nation that's probably why the but, oldest but these are record figures the here. oldest license holder get this a woman <laughs> who is 107 years old wow now i've said this before and i'll say this again you're over 80 you shouldn't be allowed to drive period fact end of that's uh, i think pretty obvious there would be hard for anybody to disagree with that if you're over 80 you stop driving but why would that be the case because everyone's different though aren't they surely no they're not um and if you are if you are over 65 yeah. you have to do a driving test every year we have to keep the roads safe justin and some of these older drivers no disrespect some of these older mm. drivers just aren't up to it. Roads have changed since the First World War. There are more vehicles. We don't have that man waving the red flag in front of the car anymore. Obviously the roads have changed, but I don't think you can be as stereotypical to say that that every single person over the age of 80 should not be on the roads, because you could have somebody who's 85 years old and they've got the reactions of somebody who's 50 years old. We can't put everybody into the same boat, can we? Yes, we can, Justin. If it saves a life, then I'm afraid we do have to. They've got free bus passes and notice i know we have a lot of older listeners and mm. I, I love all of them apart from um dennis but <laughs> uh, no disrespect but they should not be allowed to drive it, it it seems obvious to me and i think i i, I think people would be hard pushed to disagree with that if they really look into their hearts and souls well, I have to say, this morning, I've been out and about talking to motorists. Most people agree with you. I've been getting people's opinions about older drivers, and here's what people have had to say. Um, a nightmare. Most of them are an absolute nightmare. Can you explain what you mean by that? Drive uh, slow. Um, some of them don't indicate. Just a nightmare. So a dangerous to the road, Dan- Dangerous to the road, yeah. Personally, I think they're worse than, or more dangerous than younger drivers, to be honest. Now, when you say they're dangerous, what, what are they doing? less aware to be honest and I know people like say the younger drivers are quite bad but I I think older drivers are quite quite bad too I just don't think the reactions are the same anymore they're they're, it's totally different it's um uh certainly certainly slow down don't they you know and when, when you come to junctions and things like that they haven't got the confidence anymore I don't think I mean just lastly this report out today says that there are drivers out there above the age of 100 do you think there should be a cut-off point that says once you hit a certain age, you shouldn't be driving on our roads? Yeah, I think so, yeah, definitely. And what do you think that age should be? What's a fair age? Well, if, if they're, they're looking at 70, if they're retesting at 70, so that's got to be somewhere around that mark. They should be tested thoroughly, not just out on the roads, for their reactions and everything. Can't be the same anymore, can it, when you're 70? Yeah, I think we have got, as we're getting older and we're living longer, yeah, we obviously have got older drivers on the road, yeah. Uh, what's your opinion about some of these older drivers that you've experienced? Are they a danger to our roads? I think some could be, but I think a lot of people that are older, they, I know one gentleman in his 90s and he only really drives to the local shops. 
um, just to get his paper and different things. So I think I think some of them are sensible, but some of them don't realise that it's going to take them longer to, to respond to something. So she, she, that lady at the end was excellent. She raised mm. two points. Some of them don't realise it will take them longer to respond. So the two things there. It will take them longer to respond. That's just basic science. And when you're driving a car, you need to have your responses. Boom, just like that. And some of them don't realise that their their faculties um, have deteriorated. We don't know that, that, that our bodies are getting slower and older and, and we can't see quite as well. Well, it's not just older people, but of course um, a lot of younger people think they're great drivers too. But if they were to be put on a, a retest, um, the test would probably tell them something completely different. This report today from the RAC Foundation says that once people reach the age of 70, they must declare whether or not they are fit to drive every three years. Now, this is without having to take a driving or medical examination. Well, that's just crazy. Mm. That's not right for me. Now, if somebody is above the age of 70, and of course that they can prove that they're, they're fit to be on the roads, fantastic. But, you know, somebody saying, are you fit to be on the roads? Well, of course you're going to say yes. You're not going to say no, are you? I think it should be... I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change what I said slightly, because I hope I didn't offend anybody. I said if you're, you're 80 or over, you should, um, you should be banned from driving. I'm going to correct that. If you're 75 or over, you should be banned <laughs> from driving. Because we, you don't need it. You have free travel. You, there's not a lot for you to do you might you know you don't need to put other people's lives at risk but where's the independence though if you're 75 years old yeah. who wants to go and wait for a bus in the freezing cold hoping it might get there on the time you know people like to have the independence having their own vehicles if you're fit to be on the roads if you're 75 85 95 as long as you're fit to be on the roads for me there's no problem justin thank you very much indeed Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. we can wait a few minutes while you get to the phone don't worry Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Patrick's in Letchworth. Good morning, Patrick. Good morning, sir. It's speaking good sense this morning, aren't I? Not really. Sorry? You're speaking like a gone bean, man. I've got, like a what? A gone bean. I don't know what that means. Well, looked up the dictionary and you might find it. Okay, gone bean. Well, well, I haven't got time I, at the I moment. Was, I was 80 last Thursday. Happy birthday to you. I, I, hope thoroughly you've had... in, I thoroughly enjoy my driving. I hope you've handed your keys to a responsible young person. That's me. Sorry? That's me. You're, you're gone, Bean, I'm afraid. No. I have handed the keys to a responsible person by accepting them myself. Patrick. I've got a brand new car. Oh. I'm very proud of it. Yeah. And I'm going to continue driving and continue working until the man above tells me you've had enough. But what if the man above tells you you've had enough while you're driving your car on the motorway? Yeah. And you have, uh, you know, something unfortunate physical happens to you. Like a loot and bang bang. I'm not even going to ask. Okay. Supposing, <laughs> suppose, I, I, I'm not even going to ask. But supposing you have a heart attack while you're driving is what I'm getting at. And you, 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 you cause a massive pile up on the M1. Yeah. Well, th- that's not responsible, is it? I don't go on the M1. Good. Well, that's something. You're learning something. We're getting there. No, I'm but not you... learning. I have no need to go on the M1. Okay. My but... going on the M1 yes. ended when I left work. Okay. But, you, Patrick, you, you've got to be honest. Your reactions, your eyesight, your hearing, they're not as developed as they were 60 years ago. That, that's, that's uh, you know, you're, you're maybe... Um, 
You see, you're struggling to answer your, that. Maybe your commentary and your broadcasting is not as good as it was ten years ago. It, well, listen, there's no doubt about that. I was a different man ten years ago in more <laughs> ways than one. Certainly more on the ball. Yeah. But you, you see what I'm saying, Patrick? You struggle to respond to that, and I'm sure you're a very sharp young man, but as we get older, it happens to all of us. It's, it's not a, an admission of defeat or weakness. We all get a little bit slower. Do you know what? I've had three accidents since 2006. Oh, my goodness! And no, hold on. None of them. None of them were my fault. Yeah, they all say that. No, no, my no claims bonus tells me that. Oh, okay. The police have told me that, and the the um, the person who caused the accident has told me was that. Was it an old person driving the other car? Uh, no, he was quite a young fella. There we go, Patrick. Thank you very much. Patrick is 80 last Thursday. Happy birthday for last Thursday, Patrick. Thank you for being a good sport. He's going to carry on driving. Is that safe? 08459 four double five five double five. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. M40 London bound, still got lane one closed just after junction five at Stoke and Church. Broken down lorry and a fuel spill there that they're having to recover and clean up. Congestion is back to tame at junction seven and it's taking on average 40 minutes to get through. Beaconsfield slow on the A355 coming down to the A40. Of course, there are some roadworks there, temporary lights up. M1 southbound slow, junction 11, the A505 toward Redbourne, junction nine, the A5. A1 southbound looking very slow from St. Neots to the Black Cat roundabout. The A1M busy past Stevenage at Junction 7 and slow into London from Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus on the A1. The A10 through Chesant is slow as you approach the M25. Busy in Bishop Stort for the A120 near the Haddam Road and Albury Road. M25 then delays through the roadworks, also slow as you continue anti-clockwise from the M1 to the M40. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. So, 75 or over, you should automatically lose all driving rights... Handing your keys at the nearest police station, thank you very much. It makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Here's the news with Richard. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 8 o'clock, I'm Richard Williams. The headlines, hostage situation continues in Kenya, worrying death rates at local hospitals, and Merkel secures another four years in power. BBC Three Counties Radio. Heavy gunfire and loud explosions have been heard coming from inside the shopping centre in Nairobi, which was stormed 48 hours ago by militants from Somalia. Kenyan forces are battling to catch control of the entire complex and say they freed almost all of the hostages. We know at least 68 people have being killed. Three of them were British. The latest from Mike Woolridge. The military have said that they're making every effort to bring the siege at the Westgate shopping centre to a speedy conclusion. But they also say they're doing their utmost to save the remaining hostages' lives. They describe it as a delicate operation, and it's also clear they could be entering the most dangerous phase of what has been a highly complex operation over the past 48 hours to comb through the large four-storey centre, releasing the hundreds of trapped shoppers and store staff, and to pin down the militants. They're believed to number between 10 and 15. 
Death rates following a hip fracture at the Luton and Dunstable and Watford General Hospital are six times higher than most other hospitals in the country. It's been described as a lethal postcode lottery for hip fracture victims. Asked by Ian earlier on BBC Three Counties if people should be concerned by the figures, Jeff Brown from Hertfordshire Health Watch said patients should not be afraid to ask questions. Those figures are obviously concerning. I think people need to be asking questions if they're going in for operation to be convinced that everything is OK. I think what, what the positive side of things is that things are being addressed uh, and things are getting better. Um, but it's, uh, it's important that people find out the reality of what, what the position is, really. Rolf Harris is due in court today, charged with nine counts of indecent assault and four counts of making indecent images of a child. The offences are alleged to have taken place between 1980 and 2012. And the German Chancellor Angela Merkel has been returned to power in the German parliamentary elections. Her Conservative grouping won 40.41.5% of the vote and will have to form a coalition. It means Mrs Merkel will continue as Chancellor. Chris Morris reports from Berlin. Angie, Angie, they chanted at the headquarters of the Christian Democratic Party on a victorious night for Angela Merkel. She nearly won an absolute majority in Parliament, something no one was predicting. It's a massive personal triumph, soured only by the fact that her current coalition partners, the Free Democrats, have been swept out of Parliament. And Mrs Merkel will have to find a new coalition partner somewhere on the centre-left. In sport, Paolo Di Canio is looking for a new job this morning. He was sacked by Sunderland following their 3-0 defeat at West Brom on Saturday. And the weather for beds, hearts and bucks today should be a bright day with some sunny spells this afternoon. It should be warm as well with a top temperature of 23 degrees Celsius. That's 73 degrees Fahrenheit. And don't forget, you can get all your latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties. Thank you, Richard. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. For a Monday, it feels like a Wednesday. It might not mean anything to you, but I already feel I'm kind of in my stride. Normally takes me a couple of days, Mondays and Tuesday shows, let's be honest. A little bit poor sometimes, sometimes. I feel we've, we've, we're at Wednesday's high point already. Lots coming up between now and JVS at nine o'clock, including... Figures have revealed concerns at two local hospitals over the mortality rates of patients with hip fractures. Well, I'll tell you which hospitals and what's happening in the next couple of minutes. Do you feel guilty about buying cheap clothing? And with over 4 million drivers in the UK over the age of 70, isn't it time older drivers handed in their keys and made the roads a little bit safer? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text 81333. Start your text 3CR or you can give me a call 08459 455 555. Across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. 
08459 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Now, figures from the National Hip Fracture Database have revealed concerns at two local hospitals over the mortality rates of patients with hip fractures. Luton and Dunstable Hospital has the, uh, had the worst mortality rate, with 13% of patients dying within 30 days, whilst Watford General was second with 12%. The figures show a wide disparity in care across the country, with some of the best-performing hospitals having figures of just 2%. Well, I'm joined now by Dr Robin White, Divisional Director for the Surgery at the L&D. Uh, good morning, Robin. The L&D had the worst mortality rate. Why? Oh, Robin? Good morning. Sorry, I had you on the wrong fader. Yes, you, you, the, the L&D's got the worst mortality rate. rate. Why? Um... We identified this as a problem long before any of these figures came into the national arena. Um, Back in February 2012, we first detected a problem, and following that, I undertook an audit of all of the deaths that we'd had in the previous year within the Trust. I reported to the Trust Board in April 2012 and identified three key areas that we were failing on. Um, Essentially, those were cohorting of patients onto a single ward so that specialist care could be delivered by a single group of nurses and doctors rather than being spread out across the trust. The second issue was access to theatre in a timely fashion. And the third was that we were lacking the skills of an orthogeriatrician. Now, these are specialist doctors trained in elderly care medicine who then go on to specialise in fragility fractures in the elderly. These patients fall usually for medical reasons, um, and the majority of their problems during their hospital stay are medical. And across the country, there'd been a move to employing these orthogeriatricians to provide medical care for patients with fractured neck of femur, and we hadn't kept up to date with that. So as a result of that audit, that was presented to the Trust Board in April 2012. We developed an internal action plan to try and address those points and a number of others that we'd picked up on. We contacted two of the best-performing trusts in the country for conference calls to exchange information with them. We put to them our plans to make sure that we were on the right track in addressing the issues. And then we commissioned so an what's, extra... what's changed? You've done some conference calls, you've worked out what's wrong. Have, have you implemented these, these things that, Indeed, that are missing? all of those things have been changed. When, um, when were they changed? When were they changed? These have been changed over the last year. Um, the first was the appointment of the orthogeriatrician. Then we've addressed the theatre scheduling and the cohorting of patients onto a single ward. So where we are at the moment... Um, we currently managed to get 90% of our hip fractures onto our dedicated um, hip fracture unit. We are getting around, for the last three months, we've had over 90% of our patients getting to theatre within 36 hours. And the last three months, um, reviews by the orthogeriatrician have been 95%. 100% and 100%. Okay, so the, the, the figures that, that we have, 13% of patients dying within 30 days of, of having a, a hip operation, uh, how, how is it allowed to get that bad? That's very difficult to answer. Um, it was something that as soon as we identified that there was a trend, we were looking into the reasons. It's pretty poor, isn't it, that... that, that I mean, the, 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 um, a lot of the other, well, some of the best performing hospitals, 2%. 2%. 2%. 2%. 2%. 2%. 2%. 2%. 2%. 2%. 2%. 2%. 2%. 2%. 2%. 2%. 2%. 2%. 2%.
13 percent Did no one notice? I mean, obviously someone noticed at some point, but how long has this been going on for? Well, we'd had um, National Hip Fracture Database reports from previous years, and I can take you back to those. Um, in 2008-9, the national mortality rate was 9.4, and the L&D was 13. In 2009-10, it was 8.8, .8 and ours was 11. And in 2010-11, the national was 8%, and ours was 9.9. .9. So it's always been pretty bad, then, in, in, term, in comparison with the, with the, um, the national. What, why was something not done sooner? It's always been above the national average from the three NHFD reports that we've had. We believed that for a number of years we were operating on patients that other units would decline for surgery. And those were actually taken out of the figures before they were analysed by the National Hip Fracture Database. So by operating on more patients than everyone else, we were obviously operating on the sicker patients. Um, that put us at a disadvantage. Since the report, we've uh, implemented multidisciplinary team meetings to review all of these patients with high risks of mortality before surgery and it's now a complete team decision as to who we operate on. So are you saying that, that one of the ways you're reducing the mortality rates is by operating on less people? No, what we're doing is we are being more selective on the patients that we operate on. So you're operating on less people? Previously we would have operated on everyone. Um, and that's irrespective of whether they were likely to survive or not. And the reason behind that is for pain relief and the patient's dignity. A patient with a fractured neck of femur is essentially bed-bound. They can't move. It's very painful when they do move. So as a unit, we had a policy that even if patients were only likely to survive for a few days, we believed it was better to operate on them and provide them that pain relief so that their last few days were comfortable. The national picture was that between 2 and 3% of patients weren't operated on. And believe it or not, those small numbers make a very big difference in the overall mortality rates. So having identified that that was a difference by being a little bit more selective on which patients we operate on, we've been able to improve things dramatically, along with all the other changes that we've made to okay. the system. So just, just to clarify, one of the key things that you're doing to reduce, uh, to, to improve your figures is doing less operations? No, that's a side effect. It's not the motivation behind it. As I say, the changes that we've made in cohorting patients onto a single ward, in getting them to theatre... But it's, it's having an effect, isn't it, though? It will be having a small effect, okay. I believe. OK. Dr Robin White, thank you very much indeed. Divisional Director for the surgery, uh, the hip surgery at the L&D. Call 08459 455 555. Uh, BBC Three Counties Radio. I have to fold page uh, 13 of the mail over. I cannot look at Miley Cyrus twerking anymore. 191 drivers aged 100 or older, older uh, are on the road. With over 4 million drivers, over 4 million drivers are over the age of... 70. It's time we stop this madness, isn't it? 75 and over, you lose your licence. 65 to 75, you're doing your driving test every single year. Lynn's in Hazelmere. It makes sense, doesn't it, Lynn? Oh, Ian, stop picking on the pensioners. Not you're picking being... on the pensioners, I'm just yes, trying to keep the are... roads safe for my kids. No, 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 you're being very ageist. There are some people in their 30s that I wouldn't get in a car with. Right. And there's some people of 80 that I would. So you can't say everybody's the same because they really are not. Myself, I'm going to be working late into my 60s. 
Um, I had a letter the other day from the pensions thing. But, you know, yes, I think something needs doing. Well, what, need, what, we needs, need, what needs doing well, then, what would you I suggest? everybody, not just pensioners, I think everybody should have to have a test every five years and like a refresher. I'll give you that, and I'll have that. And if you had that, then everybody would be in the same boat because you're being very ageist. And the thing is, is no, I'm not being ageist, I'm being practical then. No, I'm being practical and let me explain why. Because, I, I, listen, I totally agree. Yes, let's all have a test every five years. But if you start doing that when you're older, the body deteriorates quicker. So within those five years, a, a significant number of things are more likely to happen to an older person than they are to a younger person. But if everybody had a test, it would pick it up, wouldn't it? Well, with a five-year gap, Lynn. year olds that are sharp as tacks. You know, that is so wrong, Ian. You're really, really... With wrong. a, with a five-year... I'm not. With a five-year... With a five-year gap, though, Lynn, it, there is something more likely to happen to someone between the ages of 75 and 80, medically, than between the ages of 35 and 40. Because the body deteriorates quicker at that age. Well, That's a fact. Three years, then. So, you know... You can well, how about? But you're being so ageist because... OK, you, you keep going back to that, but we're not... But you are. We're not taking the argument any further. Let, let's try, because you, you're, on to, you're almost on to something. Let's keep it five years uh, until you get to the age of 65, then let's do it every year. Enough. Fine, and then when you get to 75, you stop driving. There no, we go, we're sorted. But no, there are some 80-year-olds that are fantastic. But there are some 80-year-olds that are awful, <laughs> and they don't rec- they don't <laughs> recognise they're awful. It would be checked out, wouldn't it? You know, if they all had to have a test every year, fine. But you can't say that. It, you can't say because they're certain age. They're not as good as they were the year before. You can't say that. And I'm not saying that. Well, you are. No, I'm not. I'm saying they deteriorate quicker. Well, that's a, that's a biological fact, Lynn. They do. That that's biology. I mean, you you can argue with with science if you want, but that but that would no, seem churlish. Pensioners are the only group of people that get treated like this. No other group of people get treated like that. Well, no, because in in reference to driving and the the skills that are required in terms of hearing and seeing and reaction. Uh, of course they're going to, d- to be targeted because their reactions yeah, if deteriorate. Test, if you had a yearly test, things like that would be picked up so half the crazies that are on the road now wouldn't be on the road. Are you talking about older crazies or...? Anybody. Oh, I agree, there are far too many crazies. I also think that we start driving too young in this country. I think you shouldn't be able to take a driving test until you're 22. I quite agree with that, actually. Shall we shake hands on that and walk away? Lynn, okay. thank you very much. Ta-ta. Have a nice day. There you go, Lynn. Bye-bye. You see, we made friends in the end. Thank you, Lynn. 08459 455 555. It's a quarter past eight. Let's get the travel news now with Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. London-bound M40 still has a lane closed. Recovery work continues after a lorry broke down at Junction 5 Stoke and Church. It left a bit of a fuel spill on the carriageway behind it, so they're having to clear that up as well. Delays are back to Junction 7 at Tame, and it's taking on average 40 minutes to get through the traffic. It's also very, very busy on the M25. Anti-clockwise, we've now got an accident. It's on the hard shoulder. This is between Watford and Chorley Wood, Junction 19 and 18. Congestion is back to St Albans at Junction 21A. It's likely just to contribute to the slow-moving traffic this morning because you've got delays through the roadwork section anti-clockwise heading toward where that accident was, but you've also got delays beyond there as you continue round toward the M40 at Junction 16. On the A1 southbound from St Neots to the Black Cat roundabout is very slow, then a reasonably clear run until you get to Stevenage on the A1M, and then again it's clearish until you get down toward London and then through Boreham Wood. 
Looking at the A10, it's slow through Chesant as you approach the M25 at Junction 25 there. The A120 in Bishop Stortford still pretty heavy near the Haddam Road Junction. And in Beaconsfield, delays on the A355. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you very much. It's 8.17 or thereabouts. It's Monday. That's my money, please. Could you leave oh. us alone? I die. I preferred it when you were in Salford. <laughs> it's Monday, the uh, 20... Leave that alone, for goodness sakes. Leave three pounds there and expect me just to not put my hands on it. The chocolate machine isn't working. Anyway, I've got to, <laughs> can I do the news? It's Go on, Thank then. you very much indeed. It's 8.17. It's Monday, the 23rd of September. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. The Foreign Office is investigating suggestions that a female British terror suspect from Buckinghamshire could be linked to the attack in Kenya. Hertfordshire Health Watch have told BBC Three Counties people should be concerned about higher-than-average death rates of patients with hip fractures at hospitals in the Three Counties. In sport, golf and Sweden's... Golf and Sweden's Henrik Stenschen... I put that to emphasis there myself. I'm sure that's probably how he would say it. Excellent. Thank you. Is £11.4 million richer this morning. He got a tiny ball in a small hole and won lots of money. Steady! Stop it. Uh, You won a golf thing. BBC Three Counties Radio. On Tuesday night, we've got both league and cup football. Watford hosts Norwich in the third round of the League Cup. Looks to tip the goalkeeper. What a goal! From Christian Batokio! And Luton are away to Woking in the conference. Here's Guthridge now at the other end. He strikes one. Guthridge scores his third of the season. Hatters or Hornets. Choose the game you want to listen to Tuesday night from 7 in Three Counties Sport. Anyone can do that with an elastic band. <laughs> Honestly, JVS. Anyone, with, all you need is an elastic band. Even I could do that. Really? Yes, I could. And maybe one day, if I ever start drinking again, I'll show you. Really? Yes. How are you? I'm all right, thanks. How are you? You have got a lot of wrinkles in your forehead, haven't oh, you? Oh, no, that's very unkind. No, I, no, I tell you why. Because you got one that looks like a... Anyway, because we were talking about Botox today. Yes, I've and heard. It, I I've was me- waiting for this conversation, actually. I've mentioned it to three people, and they've all said, oh, you should speak to Jonathan about this. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> Is there a story with you and Botox? It's very rude. Well, I have a lot of friends in Argentina yes. who are plastic surgeons because <laughs> in Argentina, Argentina is the plastic surgery capital of the world. If is you it didn't really? Know. Yes. I did not know that. Yeah, because in Argentina, you get rich people and poor people. Yes. Um, the poor people are very poor. Yep. The rich people are very rich. And it's kind of a sign of affluence that you have to have that kind of that duck duck look if yeah. you're a woman. Your face has oh. to all be pulled. And so instead of walking around, as well as walking around in designer clothes, you have yeah. the face done so you have that to, you're wealthy. Yes. Okay. If you're, and, and that's very much a part of Argent- oh, Argentine culture, that yeah. the rich women all have lots of plastic surgery. And they yeah. look hideous yes. as you can imagine it's not a good they will have it done so i've got lots of friends who are plastic surgeons and they uh, of course make lots of money from doing all this surgery on mm. these uh, these poor women but whenever i go over there they can't wait to get their hands on me they keep saying oh why don't you come to my my clinic i give you a little filler in the head and these are the, the, your french friends in argentina well, I'm, ju- I'm just trying to create a bit okay. of foreignness and uh they they suggest that they want to put fillers and botox basically in my whole face <laughs> And they can't, understand, they can't understand why I'm not bothered. I say, I, no, I'm happy with my... Uh, You've had your lips done, haven't you? <laughs> You've had collagen <laughs> in the lips, I'm haven't you? I've not had my lips done. Your lips are very... Oh, 
you could stick me to a window. <laughs> you, did your mum ever meet Mick Jagger in this? In the seventies, I don't know. I don't. I don't think so. Oh, okay. No, but I. I do have a very wrinkled forehead. I'm aware of that. But thanks so much for identifying that and pointing it out. God, really sorry. I mean, it looks. It looks like you've lived a life. That made it better or worse? <laughs> Are you suggesting um, I need to have something done? Do you think I should? No, have? I don't. I think you look beautiful just the way you are. I mean, it... what's on your show today? Coming up on the big phone in this morning from nine, uh, picking up on this uh, older driver story. Honestly, you're winding everyone up already, aren't you? I'm asking from nine today, is it time to introduce a test for older drivers? The number of people aged over 70 who hold driving licences has passed four million for the first time. Currently, once a person turns 70, they must declare whether they're fit to drive every three years, but they don't have to take a driving test or be examined by a doctor. Well, Auto Trader surveyed nearly four... 4,000 motorists about this back in May of this year, and they found that 60% of consumers think that the government should impose compulsory retesting once motorists reach a certain age. Well, from nine this morning, I want your views on this. Do you think it's time to introduce a test for older drivers? Over 4 million people who are over 70 Mm. driving on the roads, is it now time to introduce that test, or would it be unfair? 08459 455 555 for your views. People get very passionate about about this and i don't understand why why they get so upset about it well we'll remind you of this when you're 69 or we're hang on what was it 75 you want all motorists taken off the road yeah i do because i want the road you're not serious come off no i am completely serious about this at 75 yes but 75 is no age it's an incredible age well done you've made it that far go and sit down have a biscuit and have a rest (laughs) i want i seriously i want the roads i was stuck behind someone on the motorway the other day dawdling along at 50 miles an hour i drove past them it was some silly old woman and she was weaving in and out of the i thought oh dear please you should be taken off the road immediately but you see, when you get to that age, yeah. you have to remember that the car is independence. I mean, you're, you're in effect taking away somebody's independence. No, bus passes. Free travel. They get free travel. I, 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 I travelled to Leeds the other day. Several hundred pounds. Pensioners get free travel. You say they get a free bus pass. That's great. But don't most older people, you know, get to 80, 85, and they don't want to drive far... They just want to go round the corner. They only do left turns because a lot of them don't like to turn right. So they go kind of round the block and they go round. They stop at the little shop. They get their bits and pieces. They get back in the car. They go round the block again and home. No, you're actually... When you put it like that, yeah. Because they can't do right turns, they should definitely be allowed to continue on the roads. But But isn't that the point? A lot of older people, they all automatically self regulate their driving. They're not happy turning right. Supposing there's an emergency and they have to turn right. They've got to turn right. And they can't do it. And they're terrified. It's not safe. From nine this morning, I want your views on this. Do you agree with Ian or not? Is it time to introduce a test for older drivers? It's the big phone in from nine. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 
Now, should we feel guilty if we buy cheap clothes? Tonight, Panorama investigates how our clothes, including those of some big high street brands, are really made. And it seems lessons have still not been learnt after more than a thousand garment workers died in Bangladesh when the building they were working in collapsed in April. Well, our reporter, Sophie Solaria, has been out in Buckinghamshire asking if you feel guilty buying cheap clothes. Yeah, if I think about it, I mean, but at the moment I'm a student, so... Uh cheap clothes it's like hey i need to buy cheap clothes but yeah based on the current events or you know, events of six months ago whenever it was it does come to the back of my mind but at the end of the day you have to think of your own pocket unfortunately yeah i'm one of the managers of primark so not really when you hear things about the working conditions in other countries do you think that people should become a bit more conscientious when they shop same sort of manufacturers as, as top shop and arcadia's and all the others to be honest not really no, no, not really. Why is that? Because I'm quite selfish, that's why. <laughs> if I'm getting it cheap, then it's good for me. Well, joined now by Rachel Wilshaw, an ethical trade manager at Oxfam. And uh, Rachel, you've been to Bangladesh. What are the working conditions there like? Yeah, <clears throat> hello. Um, yeah, I went a couple of years ago and went round several factories um, that supply into the UK. Um, well, the first thing you're struck by, what, you, you have an idea that a factory is like a standalone low building but it's they're often very very high they sort of have five or eight floors and each one can be a separate factory supplying different customers but the first thing that strikes you is these rows and rows of mostly young women in very colorful shower kameez in working busily away in complete silence and uh, one of the things that you kind of quickly realize is that Unlike what you would find in a factory in the UK where they'd be laughing and joking and chats with the supervisors and so on, it's not really like that. The women are very deferential towards the, the line managers and um, it's quite hard for them to raise a concern in that kind of culture. And is that the same for in, in other parts of the world? I think it's more accentuated in Bangladesh for a combination of reasons. Um, it is an issue in garment factories in, in various countries, India, Cambodia and so on. But Bangladesh just seems to be really acute. We've, we've been speaking to people about this this morning. I don't know if you just heard the, the, the Vox what we paid yes. there. Uh, the, the majority of shoppers in this country, it would seem, they find it hard to picture themselves in those factories and, and, and they don't feel guilty about buying cheap clothes, should they? Uh, I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that people buy cheap clothes because my experience I've been involved in Oxfam's work in this area for over 10 years um, and also the work of the ethical trading initiative and that includes a lot of brands that are you know including sort of Primark and other low cost brands um, which are actually doing a pretty good job Um, you know Primark was one of the first companies to announce compensation um, unilaterally and they're just about to announce more not not all companies even ones which are more upmarket are doing that so I don't think it necessarily follows that if you buy cheaper clothes that necessarily means it's irresponsible but I would say do something about it tell the brands that you love what you expect that you do care about what workers experiences are because companies say well you know if the customers just want price that's what we're going to give them. And, well, companies know. really listen, though. If, if, if we all, you know, sent an email or a letter to, to uh, let's not name any shops, but, but X brand, uh, would they really listen? Because it, it is all about making money for those companies, isn't it? 
Yes, but I think they do listen, absolutely. They, they, they hate, I mean, they're people like us, they, well... They hate you, do they, Rachel? <laughs> <laughs> well. they, they have to look at themselves in the mirror in the morning. They want to do a decent job, and particularly the ethical trade teams of these companies. They, they, they join the company for this very reason, to try and bring about positive change. So um, I think customers can look at the Ethical Trading Initiative website and only buy... Um, from companies that are members because that those are ones who've made very serious commitments in this area um, there's one company I would I, you know encourage people to sort of let if they source from River Island to let them know that they would really like them to join the this big Bangladesh Accord which is you know the best chance of change in a generation because I, I haven't yet heard that they have joined I think they're thinking about it okay but Rachel we have, we have to end it there thank you very much indeed and uh, obviously River Island aren't here to defend themselves but thank you Rachel it's Rachel Wilshaw uh, ethical trade manager at Oxfam 084594 if you want to uh, see that panorama programme, it's on BBC One this evening. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Let's get the travel news now, shall we? Here's Adam. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. M40 London bound. Still a lane closed. Recovery work after a lorry broke down and left a bit of a fuel spill in its wake. This is at Junction 5, Stoke and Church. Congestion now all the way back up to Oxford at Junction 8, and it's taking on average 40 minutes to get through the delays. Beaconsfield looking busy through the works, just coming down to the A40. There are temporary lights there. M1 southbound slow, Junction 11, the A505 toward Redbourne at Junction 9. Mark 8, the A5 southbound slow as you approach the Luton Road. The A509 in Olney, looking busy on the sensors near Lavenden Road. A1, you've got the first patch of traffic from St Neots down to the Black Cat roundabout, then slow on the A1M past Stevenage and slow again into London, Borehamwood, Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. Delays in Chesant approaching the M25 on the A10. Bishop Stalkford slow on the A120 at Haddam Road. And then on the M25 anti-clockwise, it stop-start right the way through the roadwork section. Also busy from St Albans to the M40, not helped by that accident earlier, Junction 19 to 18. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts and bugs. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's 8.30 with the headlines. I'm Richard Williams. The Foreign Office is investigating suggestions that a female British terror suspect from Buckinghamshire could be linked to the attack in Kenya. There's speculation that Samantha Luthwaite from Aylesbury, who was married to the July 7th bomber Jermaine Lindsay, may have been involved. Hertfordshire Health Watch has told BBC Three Counties people should be concerned about the higher-than-average death rates of patients with hip fractures at hospitals across the three counties. And Rolf Harris is due in court today charged with nine counts of indecent assault and four counts of making indecent images of a child. The offences are alleged to have taken place between 1980 and 2012. Three Counties Sports. BBC Three Counties Radio. Football and Sunderland have sacked their manager Paolo Di Canio just five matches into the new season. The Black Cats are bottom of the league with just one point. More from Ian Dennis. There are many in football who predicted the controversial appointment of Paolo Di Canio would end in tears. His confrontational style of man management and strict approach to try and change the culture within the dressing room hardly endeared him to the Sunderland players. Yet questions will also be asked of owner Ellis Short and his long-term strategy for the club. After Martin O'Neill's departure in March and now De Canio's sacking, Short is looking for a third manager in the space of six months.
What will be interesting is the influence of director of football Roberto De Fanti and De Canio's replacement, and fellow Italian Roberto De Matteo is the early favourite. In the Premier League, it's City with the bragging rights in Manchester this morning. They beat Manchester United 4-1. More from Mike Ingham. Well, if you think about the last two seasons, City won the title, then didn't significantly strengthen. United did and regained it. But having won that title, the boot on the other foot. United didn't significantly strengthen. City did and how it showed. Simplistic, perhaps, because there's much more to it than that. Granted, United are not the same without Van Persie, but apart from Rooney, nobody else really turned up to compete yesterday. Not enough heart and soul, and some soul-searching for manager David Moyes. Watford will be preparing for the visit of Premier League side Norwich tomorrow night in the Capital One Cup. Chelsea loan signing Josh McKeshering could make his Hornets debut. Watford will be boosted by the 5-1 win against Barnsley on Saturday. Here's boss Gianfranco Zola. We have to be composed, you know, sometimes things uh, they don't come very well as uh, well uh, as we wanted, but you, you stay, you dig in, you stay focused and, uh, you know, that's, that's the way to make a difference. There were defeats for MK Dons and Stevenich in League One, while Wickham drew at home to York in League Two. Luton will go into their match at Woking tomorrow night off the back of their 3-2 win over Lincoln on Saturday. The Hatters are waiting on the fitness of striker Paul Benson. In Formula One, Milton Keynes-based Red Bull Sebastian Vettel has won the Singapore Grand Prix. He now leads the championship by 60 points. Fernando Alonso was second, with Kimi Raikkonen finishing third. And Sir Bradley Wiggins won cycling Tour of Britain. He was finished 26 seconds clear of the field and golf Sweden Henrik Stenson well he's 11.4 million dollars richer this morning following his win in the Tour Championship the win also secured him the FedEx Cup title there'll be more at nine call 08459 455 555 BBC Three Counties Radio Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. You can give me a call, 08459 455. 555 is the telephone number if you want to give us a call. Lots coming up between now and nine o'clock, including the latest on what's happening uh, in Kenya, uh, Botox and the Labour Conference. Now, this morning we're talking about the horrific events in Nairobi at the weekend. And now there's speculation that Samantha Luthwaite from Buckinghamshire, who was married to the July the 7th bomber, Jermaine Lindsay, may have been involved in the siege. Tim Ripley, a security analyst, says that's possible as many groups use Somalia as a base. Westerners, other people from around the world who want to um, engage in what's known as jihad, um, go there and and undertake training. They they participate in their attacks on the UN and the African Union soldiers. And um, there is a constant stream of uh, of people going in and out of uh, Somalia to join these groups. And and it is a, a main target for US drone strikes as well. Well, Professor Paul Rogers is an expert in terrorism at the University of Bradford and joins me now. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. Uh, A number of terrorist organisations have based themselves in Africa for decades now, but it seems there's been a sharp rise in Islamic extremists. Um, There has to some extent, yes. I mean, both in terms of Somalia, which has been a very troubled country for many years, and also most notably recently in West Africa, uh, the Boko Haram group in Nigeria, in northern Nigeria, uh, is a major group. It's the biggest security threat to the Nigerian state, and that is basically a very radical extreme Islamist group uh, that gets a lot of support from unemployed young men, and that's also true in Somalia as well. 
so yes, Africa is is a, the northern part of Africa certainly is a part where you do have an increase in this, and there are also some issues at a much lower level down what some people call the Swahili coast, the coasts of Kenya and Tanzania. So it is a development of the relatively recent past, uh, just as the old Al Qaeda movement in northwest Pakistan is very much in retreat. So the idea crops up elsewhere and most notably in northern africa at the moment should we in this country be concerned about the rise of terrorism over there well obviously we have all sorts of connections with with african countries but in terms of the worldwide development the idea that the al-qaeda movement is entirely a thing of the past i think is wrong uh it isn't a formal movement with a hierarchical management if you want to use that term it's much more of an idea which has spread and you see it in syria at the moment where the islamist elements are providing some of the strongest opposition to the Assad regime that's problematic for the british government because the british government itself is also anti the regime uh, you also find in iraq that the islamist groups have come to prominence recently so it's not that there is one worldwide organization it's basically different groups in different parts of the world, but particularly Africa and the Middle East. Well, there are rumours that uh, Samantha Luthwaite from Buckinghamshire, who was married to uh, one of the July the 7th bombers, may possibly be involved. I- is that likely? I'd really want to see really firm evidence for that. It's the kind of thing which I think is very attractive to some elements of the press, uh, but it's not at all clear that there's firm evidence of that. Uh, and I think one would have to wait and see that before really jumping jumping into conclusions. And what do you think the answer is to dealing with these extreme groups? Well, I think the basic thing is, if you think you can just control them by using the military, it doesn't seem to work. We've seen what happened in Iraq and Afghanistan. We still haven't really learned how to get to grips with what drives the people to join these groups, what the motivation is. I think if we put a lot more effort into that, we might finally get a grip on the problem, but we're not doing so at the moment. Paul, thank you very much indeed. Call 08459 455 555. BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the phone number. You can also go to facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. Now, the Labour Party conference is underway in Brighton. It started yesterday and today the topic of debate will be the economy with Ed Balls making a speech. I'm joined now by former St Albans MP Kerry Pollard, who's been quoted as saying uh, he's quietly confident he can win back his parliamentary seat after being selected to stand as Labour's contender in the next general election. Uh, first things first, uh, Kerry, what makes you think you can beat Anne Main? Well, uh, it's a three-way marginal, that's pretty clear. Uh, the UKIP are chipping away at the right-hand edge of Anne Main's uh, majority, uh, which was 2,000 over Sandy Walkington. Sandy should have won last time, he was going to win at all. The Liberal Democrats are now in government and can't claim that if only they had a chance, the sun would shine every day, all of that. So I'm fairly confident. And I've done it before, of course, well known. Will you be attending the conference? I, I was there yesterday uh, um, for the Labour Housing Fringe Meeting, which I chaired, um, talking to Catherine McKinnell, who's the Treasury Minister, we need to persuade to invest in building new homes. Lots of speculation that, that Ed Miliband isn't perhaps the strong enough uh, leader that you need to win a general election. What do you think about that? 
uh, I think he's a thoroughly, thoroughly decent man. And uh, I'll just give you one example. Uh, he, he took a stand against bombing Syria. And I think that was the right thing to do. And as a result of that, David Cameron lost the vote. And even uh, President Obama had to rethink his stance and uh, sort of mandate as well for his own uh, activity. And now, of course, we've got uh, uh, Vladimir Putin, who's uh, taking centre stage and good for him as well. Uh, and Ed Ball's uh, speaking today. What can we expect from him? Well, I hope he's going to uh, talk about uh, investment in our infrastructure. Um, I think we can build a million homes in during the next uh, Parliament, and I hope I'm there to uh, urge that on. Um, what, we're spending £23 billion and rising a year on housing benefit. If we put half of that into building homes, we could build a million homes, affordable homes, much needed in our communities. Realistically, Labour, they can't get back into power at this next general election, can they? Absolutely, of course. There was a, an MSN poll done uh, yesterday. 20,000 people took part in it and Labour were, were, were set to win. Uh, Tories uh, were only on 27%. Uh, that, I know that's not the, the poll. An MSN an poll isn't, isn't really going to you know, influence anybody, though, is it? Well, I, I don't argue that, but it, it's 20,000 people who've been asked their opinion. Uh, that's much more than any other opinion poll ever does. And also there's a poll done by the, uh, um, I don't know, I think it was YouGov, suggested that uh, in the marginal seats that Labour needs to win, uh, Labour had a majority of 14%, 14 points over the Conservatives. Kerry, thank you very much indeed. That's uh, former St Albans MP Kerry Pollard. Email 3cr at bbc.co.uk BBC Three Counties Radio So we've been talking about older driving. 191 drivers aged 100 or older on the road. That's according to the Daily Mail. And there are over uh, 4 million drivers who are over the age of 70. Wow! Andrew's in Bedford. Morning, Andrew. Good morning, Ian. What do you think we should do about this problem? Well, I think you're on the, totally the wrong track because... Statistically, the, the worst drivers on the roads, the ones that cause the most road deaths, are drivers between 17 and 25. So, uh, as you said earlier, should we uh, raise your uh, thing, suggestion of 22 before someone would get a driving license, to 26? Sure, I'll, I'll, I'll back that. I, I do think we learn to drive too young in this country. So, yeah, let's raise the age that you can start driving and let's uh, lower the age that you have to stop driving. Yeah, but also, about this, you said to that other gentleman before, what about if he was driving along the M1 and had a heart attack? Yes. Well, you can have a heart attack at any age. But you're more likely to have it when you're older, though. Not necessarily. Well, you ask, I mean, you ask the super fit people. I mean, you ask Fabrice Mwamba. Well, yes, but Fabrice... Person, he had a heart attack. Yes, but he is, he is an exception. Fabrice Mwamba is an exception. You, I would suggest you're more likely to, to have a heart attack if you're older. Yeah, possibly, but then again, you... Uh, the, the, the fact is that I, that I see every day drivers uh, on the phone, and I've never, ever seen an older person oh, on the phone. Oh, Andrew, really? No, never, ever. I've never seen anyone. I saw someone the other day. I've never seen anyone that looks more than about 30, 30 perhaps those 40 on the phone, on a mobile phone. Andrew. Handheld, Andrew. driving along, and that's supposed to be as dangerous as drink driving. I mean, you never, see, and you can't tell me you've seen one either. Yes, I, well, yes, I can because I have. It's very rare, though, isn't it? An older person doesn't have that much use for a mobile phone anyway. Oh, now who's being ageist? Well, they they don't. 
Of course they do. Old people use mobile phones. Yeah, but they don't. They don't use them at the same time they're driving. I've never seen one, and I've seen. I see every day, practically, if I'm, if I'm out and about, and it's always people who are forty or below, and it's often not younger than that, and that's as dangerous. I mean, that should be much more enforced. And coming back to what you were saying earlier, xenophobia. And what? racism is a very thin line between the two of them, isn't it? Well, no, they're, they're, they're too distinct. Well, how would you describe xenophobia? Well, xenophobia is a, a, a fear of um, something or someone foreign. Yeah. Racism is a hatred of something or someone foreign. Yeah, but uh, how, do you, how do you distinguish? I well, mean, you, you, you can't example. distinguish between fear and hatred. Yeah, I'll give you an example. Well, there were these recent Greek um, uh, protests about the austerity. There was a lot of them. There was scenes shown on BBC News of the people holding up placards with Angela Merkel wearing a Nazi uniform. Now, is that xenophobia or is that racism? Uh, xenophobia. So it's not racism? No. Why? I don't think you can be racist against the Germans. Why? Because they're not a race. Of course they're a race. Well, no, they're not. They are. Well, n- no, they're not. Of course they're a race. They're, they're, they're not a race. Well, they are. They're not. They're the Germans. Well, that's a race, isn't it? Well, no, it isn't a race. It's I Germanic. You... It's, it's a Germanic race. Well, it's, it's the Germanic people. It's not a Germanic race. Again, it's a fine line. But no, you can't be. And also, why, why, was it, why is it racist depicting uh, Angela Merkel in a Nazi uniform? I don't understand. Well, I mean, they, uh, surely they were racist, weren't they? Who? The, the, the Nazis. The Nazis were racist, yes. So, so, no, so it was a racist thing, then. If you were depicting someone uh, as someone that was one of the most racist people no. on the planet, no, you've, you, you, you're making out that they're racist. You're, you're making out... xenophobia. No, well, you're saying, was it the Greeks being racist by having pictures of Angela Merkel dressed in a Nazi uniform? No, the yeah. Greeks were not being racist. Yeah, you say it was xenophobia. Yes. Well, how can that be if they're depicting someone as being one of the most racist people, racist... Uh, groups of people on, on, on the planet, ever. Beca- Well, because they're depicting someone as being racist, it doesn't make them racist. It must do. Well, why? If I depict, if I depict um, uh, you as being a racist, that doesn't make me racist. Yeah, but if you're picking on me because of my race... But I'm not. You don't know? Thank you very much indeed. 08459 555555. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Still really slow on the M40 at the minute, London bound. There's been problems through this morning. A broken down lorry that left a bit of a fuel spill. They're still doing the recovery work and it's just after Junction 5 at Stoken Church, but the congestion all the way back up to Oxford at Junction 8. It's taking about 40 minutes on average to get through quite busy in Beaconsfield as well, the A355 through the section with the temporary traffic lights down toward the A40. M1 southbound looking a little bit better actually on the cameras as you go past Redbourne. A5 in Mark Yates slow at the Luton Road, Wellingborough Road, this is the A509 in Olney slow, mainly southbound at Lavenden Road. A1 southbound busy from St Neots to the Black Cat Roundabout, the A1M past Stevenage looking busy and the A1 into London, you've got the usual slow traffic through Boreham Wood, Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. The A10 is also slow on the approach to the M20 which you can expect to be queuing through the roadworks past Potter's Bar and then stop-start from the M1 right the way round to the M40. Trains and tubes, though, still running without problems. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Adam. It's nearly 8.47. It's Monday the 23rd of September. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. 
The Foreign Office is investigating suggestions that a female British terror suspect from Buckinghamshire could be linked to the attack in Kenya. There's speculation that Samantha Luthwaite from Aylesbury, who was married to the July the 7th bomber Jermaine Lindsay, may have been involved. Hertfordshire Health Watch have told BBC Three Counties people should be concerned about higher-than-average death rates of patients with hip fractures at hospitals in the Three Counties. In sport, Paolo Di Canio will be collecting his P45 this morning. He was sacked by Sunderland yesterday. Coming up, if you're 75 and over, you should be taken off the road. 08459 455555. Let's get the weather. Here's Kate Kinsella. Beds, hearts and bucks weather. BBC Three Counties Radio. The murky start to the new working week. Some mist and fog patches out there to contend with as well. Now, these are going to be fairly stubborn, especially the cloud, and we may not see any brightness until we get further into the afternoon. But it's another warm day, similar to yesterday, actually. We're looking at a maximum of around 20 Celsius. Overnight, we'll get some clear spells. That's going to allow the mist and fog to reform. Some of it quite dense as well. The minimum temperature, though, still relatively mild, considering the time of year, 11 Celsius. Now, for tomorrow morning, it's a rather murky start again. Again, but eventually we should start to see uh, the cloud be bitten back and also the mist and fog, so maybe some sunny spells. But then the cloud grows again tomorrow afternoon. But it's still staying warm and looking at a maximum again of 2021 Celsius. And that's your forecast. If you've got a problem with a company, a council or an organisation, they were really, really unhelpful. They laughed at me. The JVS show fights for your rights and tackles your consumer problems. We have been back 11 visits each time because of the problems my husband's been having. Since beginning of June, I've had no schedule freezer. If you need our help, email jvsshow at bbc.co.uk. Gentlemen then agreed to refund me my money. As of yet, he's resold the vehicle and still no refund. The JVS Show, weekdays from nine, BBC Three Counties Radio. Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Story page 13, excuse me, in the Daily Mail, 191 drivers aged 100 or older on the road. I was shocked by that. I was shocked that there were that many people over 100. And uh, there are over 4 million drivers who are over the age of 70. Now, Seems to me, no disrespect, I know we have a lot of older listeners and I love each and every single one of you, bar one. Seems to me obvious that to make our roads safer, if you're 75 and over, you shouldn't be allowed to drive. And between 65 and 75, you have a driving test each year. It seems obvious to me. And it's, it's not ageism, it's just simple biology. As you get older, your body deteriorates. Your eyes, your hearing, your reactions and your reflexes, they just, they're not as sharp as they used to be. 08459 455 555. Mary's in Milton Keynes. Mary, I'm talking sense, aren't I? You are talking absolute sense. I agree with absolutely everything you said. Get them off the road. Why do, you, why do you say that, Mary? I, I, I know why I think it. Why do you think it? Right. I'm a driver yep. and I'm a passenger. Not one day do I not see, when I'm driving or a passenger, some old person in a car causing a problem. Either driving too slowly, driving around the roundabout with swerving in one lane to another, not knowing what they're doing. Mm. They just, they don't have, seem to have anything. As you say, they, they're, they're old, their reactions are slower. 
Now, Mary, the accusation that's been thrown at me this morning is uh, I am ageist, so I'm going to put that to you, Mary. You are being ageist. No, I'm being sensible. Common sense. People who are getting older, as you say, their bodies are deteriorating. They don't have the same status that a 30 or a 40 or a 50-year-old have. Mary, we're going to let you go because the line's not brilliant, but thank you very much. Uh, Hello, Mario. Hello. Hello, Mary. It's three counties. Yeah, good morning. Good morning to you. Yeah, you keep hammering about these people over 75. They should have a retest in their blood. No, no, you've misunderstood. Uh, At 75, they should have their their licence taken off them. Yeah, you take a for I'm I'm coming up to 80 in a month's time, right? And there's nothing wrong with my driving. Well. And there is some youngsters that on the road. I don't know how they managed to pass the test. They shouldn't be on the road. Are your reactions, Mario... Yeah, uh, my reactions are very, very strongly, because I um, I never had an accident, right? I never had any claim for any accidents. So, as I said, I'm coming up to 80, and there's nothing wrong with my driving. But you you can't seriously believe, Mario, that your reactions now as an 80-year-old man are as sharp as they were when you were 24. I'm not an 80-year-old man at all. I feel if I'm still at 30 or 35, 40, the way I'm driving. Okay. Now, I'm gonna, I will finish this question at some point. You can't believe that your reactions as a nearly 80-year-old man are as sharp as they were when you were 35. I'm, I'm well, 40 and my reactions aren't as good as they were five right. years ago. But yeah, probably it's not, but I still I drive carefully, so I don't need to be sharp about it. D- I still I am sharp about it, and when you get people coming across to you unexpected, I still am sharp and jump on the brake to avoid the collisions. Mario, stay there. Say, Mario, say hello to Dennis in Hemel. Yeah. Hi there. Hello. Hi. Dennis, what, Mario thinks that at the, nearly the age of 80, he should be allowed to drive. He's as good as he was when he was 30. What do you think, well, Dennis? Well, you know, I've put this to my dad, who's 90, several times, and the fear of taking a test is that, you know, puts the fear of God in him. However, I got done for doing two mile an hour over the 30 limit a couple of years ago and had to go on the speed awareness course. Now, there's no test, but what a brilliant course. And I learned many things, and I'm 60 on. So that's what I think we should do. Have a refreshment. We course. should send Mario on a course. Mario, would you go on a course for us? Yeah, I'll go on a course. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not bothered about it. But the, the, what the, you see, what he's talking about, there is people, old people and old people. There is some old people that really, well, they should not be on the road. But you can't put to the qualification for, to everybody. Because uh, what I'm saying to you is, you've got youngsters, you've got young people, I don't know how they managed to pass the test while they are on the road. They shouldn't be on the road. Mario, right. thank you very much. We're going to end it there, just because I'm going to go to my colleague, Justin Dealey. Morning, Justin. Morning, boss. How are you doing? Very, very well. I think you've been very harsh this morning. No, very, very harsh indeed. Why, why, why do you think I'm being so harsh? Well, I just think you can't stereotype every single person. You could have somebody who's had a, a bad week at work. They're feeling very, very tired. They could be 21 years old. Their reactions are not going to be as quick, are they? You can't put everybody into the same boat. You can't do that. But What's s- that music? Sorry? <laughs> oh, dear. Here we go. What? <laughs> 
Oh, Carly Simon. You, oh, you're playing a song for yourself. This is this is for you, Just. And you call me, babe. Oh, dear, oh, dear. You see, you, 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 you were walking into a yacht. You are quite vain, come no, on, No, 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 come on. You have been out talking to people about, not your vanity, but about <laughs> older people driving. What have they had to say? Absolutely, yeah. Record numbers of uh, older drivers on our roads. Been simply putting the question to people, what's their opinions about older drivers? Here's what people had to say. All together, Justin! You're so vain! Nah. You, you probably, probably think, think this song is about you. you. You're so vain. Let's have the box. Um, got nowhere to go, especially in just holding everyone else up, really. So you're here in your, your white van. You get enough stick as it is. You're stereotyped for being a, a white van man. But, but how often do you sit behind the wheel of this vehicle and shout at older motorists? Every day. Seriously? Yeah. It frustrates you that yeah. much? Definitely. Um, I would imagine you get to a certain age. Um, if you have an accident, maybe you should be retested. I don't know. But then, you know, you're taking people's independence away from them. But they shouldn't have their independence at the detriment of other people. Hey, Mark, what's your opinion about older drivers? Are they really that bad? No, I don't think they are. I mean, Ian is adamant this morning, once you hit 75, you should not be driving on our roads. That's a load of nonsense. That's what these, the government wants, all these old people off the road. Why should they be off the road? I think half of these older drivers are a lot better than what these younger drivers are. Older ones take more care of the road. Maybe a bit too much care? Uh, might take a, a bit too much care, but you don't, can't blame them for taking more care. Uh, the older you get, the more care you take of yourself. That's the way it goes. I think when they get to a certain age, over 70, 75, they need to retake a test because some of them just really, their reactions aren't as quick as they should be. I've got a neighbour a couple of doors down and he's an elderly gentleman and he just doesn't seem to notice if there's other cars coming down the road as he pulls out. I think it's a, a sight thing. Um, and personally, I think they should, you should be forced to take some kind of test rather than just say that you think you're OK. Which is how it currently stands. And yep. um, this neighbour of yours, how old is he? I'd say he's in his 70s. And he doesn't see cars coming down the road when he's pulling out? No, we wait until he's gone out before we go. It's really as bad as that? Yeah. When the facts are, if you're driving on the roads, you need to be able to see other cars. I know, I know. <laughs> well, Justin, you make an excellent point there, one I hadn't considered. You, you do need to be able to see... <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's one of the facts, isn't it? You do need to be able to see other cars when you're driving. I mean, I find that incredible. I mean, she's saying that, that she waits for him to go before taking her child to school in the morning. It's got that bad. But I think, you know, as a nation, I don't think we should be stereotyping older drivers. There should be a recess. Just my personal view for every single driver, every single motorist in this country, every three years, that will make the roads a much safer place to be. I know for a fact you don't mean that. I mean that. No, you don't, because if you did you would lose your driving licence. Well, I'd have to pass. Simple as that. I think, you know, if you want to be a responsible driver on our roads, I took my test years and years ago, a lot of things that I were taught back then, I've simply forgotten. When was the last time that you picked up the highway code? Probably, what, 20 years ago? Something like that. Exactly. Yeah. So we, we, we all need a bit of a refresher, don't well, we? We don't because if I don't because if you remember recently we did have a refresher <laughs> and I won and you lost. Yeah, because you bribed the driving Thank instructor. It's Aldo. He seems to have lost the connection there with Justin Dealey. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, it's eight fifty-eight. Let's get the latest travel news now. Here's Adam. <laughs> 
travel news for beds, cards and bugs. BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you Ian. Still delays on the M40 London bound. One lane closed, broken down lorry and a fuel spill that it's left behind it and it's around Junction 5 at Stoke and Church. They're doing the recovery work at the minute but the congestion is all the way back up to Oxford at Junction 8 and it's taking about 40 minutes to get through. Slow in Beaconsfield on the A355 toward the A40. Of course, temporary traffic lights are up along that stretch. The A404 into High Wycombe looking busy. It's slow in Mark Yate on the A5 southbound as you approach the Luton Road. The A1 first off busy from St Neots to the Black Cat Roundabout. Barford Bypass looking a little bit slow as well. Then the A1M slow Stevenage Junction 7 and into London through Boreham Wood, Stirling Corner to Mill Hill Circus. Clophill, the A6, busy at the A507 Junction. Bishop Stortford slow on the 120 as you approach Haddam Road. Chesant, A10 busy approaching the M25. Then on the motorway queues anti-clockwise through the roadworks and from the M1 to the M40. Adam Glynn, BBC Three Counties Radio. Adam, thank you very much indeed. Right, that's it. That's your lot. I'm back tomorrow at six o'clock. Stick around because JVS is up next. Always worth a listen. From me until six tomorrow. Ta-ta. Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks. This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JVS Show. I'm Jonathan Vernon-Smith. It's Monday and on today's big phone-in... Is it time to introduce a test for older drivers? The number of people aged over 70 who hold driving licences has 